0: Hello. 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 Can can you hear us?
1: I can hear you now. Yes.
0: Wonderful. <laughs> yes. Eric's here. We're doing this. I made it.
1: Excellent.
0: <laughs> well, I said that real weird.
2: <laughs> no,
0: no, no. no, I think I think that you said that exactly uh, the way that you should have. Fair enough. Next time I'll say it with a little more a little more pizzazz.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, where's Kyle?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, God, he's here. <laughs> <Okay>.
0: oh, shit. <laughs> Everyone run. Scatter. God, every God, time. This, this happens time. every time. I have a feeling this is going to be a very silly episode. Sounds good. I like where this uh, is. I was thinking, too. I like where it's going.
1: I'm going to make sure I fix that. I'm going to Vince McMahon this shit right off the bat. <laughs> You're like, silly pal. <laughs> Listen here. No jokes, you. <laughs> 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 Gargoyle podcast. I don't like the name of that.
0: <laughs> that's not the name. Let's it's Gargoyle it because it's a, change it to uh the from parts unknown cast. <laughs> yes. Very original. It, it's Gargoyle because it's a gargoyle wearing an argyle sweater. Well,
3: oh, yes. that's even sillier.
0: Right. I've never seen
3: a gargoyle wear a sweater. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest <laughs> gimmick of all time
1: it is my vince mcmahon is <laughs> getting better i'm really working at it because i'm going to wrestlemania in a couple of weeks so i need to as, well, as God, a wrestler i need to get my mcmahon down good for the uh the, the episode i'm gonna i'm recording an all wrestling episode with the guys from trick-or-treat radio the
0: week before wrestlemania so mm. i'm gonna get the laugh down
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like it i like where this is going
3: I haven't talked. I haven't talked to Bill in a very long time, and the fact that he's coming in as Vince is—it's
4: <laughs> pretty good. My,
3: I think my Vince is pretty good, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, dude. It's pretty con- like if you. I wish that you would. Ju- you would just originally come on as as Vince McMahon, and so like we would have never known the difference. Like we could have yeah. just been like, I yeah, we've talk- got Vince McMahon on the <laughs> podcast today to talk about Survival of the Film Freaks. It's a good movie. I watched it.
2: <laughs>
4: you could slap that on the box. I was telling Bruce Pritchard the other day, I like movies about things that
1: I can understand. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Big into Sesame Street. You guys, ever see Sleepless in Seattle? Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, man. Mick
1: Ryan, she's a what a woman. That was Mick Ryan in Sleepless in Seattle, right?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, it was.
1: Cool. Yeah, sure. That yeah. Tom Hanks, though, f that guy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, I'm gonna stop.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome to the Gargoyle Podcast. I'm Nathan, aka the Gargoyle, and I'm Eric, aka the American. And joining us tonight are Bill Fulkerson and Kyle. I keep mispronouncing your last name. Nah, uh, you're you're pronouncing
3: you're pronouncing it. Whatever you say is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, Kyle Sriracha. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's the
1: strangest spelling of Sriracha I've ever seen.
3: <laughs> it's it's I'll take I'll steal a, a joke from one of my friends. Uh, it's pronounced fire truck, it's just spelled. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. No, it's, it's cooked. Uh, Kukta.
4: Kukta. okay.
0: I kept pronouncing the uh ch sound.
3: Oh, every, everybody does. So I think that I'm the asshole, and I'm I'm making a big deal of it being cookeda, and it's actually pronounced. Kuchta. It's Koochta. Yeah, I'm trying Kuchta. to be like it's it's soft. <laughs> it's it's a
1: hard K, soft U sound. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for having us. Yeah. Yes. for Sure. Are you regretting it yet?
4: No, not at all.
3: Give it. Give it about ten.
4: oh man you like yeah this is this is totally like totally on brand like this is what we do (laughs) we crack ourselves up for about an hour and then people listen to the podcast and like what the is this and then they turn it off and by people he means us and by us yes that's exactly right Sounds like
0: a puppy then. Right. Uh yeah, so Bill and Kyle are joining us because they made an awesome documentary, uh, Survival of the Film Freaks,
4: which we saw at the Knoxville Horror Film Festival.
1: Well, one of you guys got we, we sent one of you guys a screener to check out, right? Yes. Yes, that is right. correct.
4: I missed it at the Knox Horror Fest because, you know, I have I have a family and sometimes, you know, they, they need me every now and then. So I didn't get to make it to every single day of the Knox Horror Fest, unfortunately. But it, it's because Eric doesn't actually like movies. That's fair. I don't either. Yeah. I mean, what even are
3: movies? Yeah. They're just a time between moments. A time between moments?
1: He's not a big fan of the
0: talkies. Yeah.
1: I liked liked pictures better when they were black and white and quiet.
4: (laughs) (laughs) When the hell did these pictures start moving, anyway? Yep. It's all the drugs.
1: See that one about the train coming at you? Holy shit.
4: <laughs> oh, man.
1: We're not going to make it through We're this. Not. We're, this hey, have you happen. guys seen the Marine 5 starring The Miz? <laughs> <laughs> ah, great film.
4: Okay, hold on. Is there really a Marine 5 starring The Miz? Because that oh, sounds like yeah. super plausible. Oh, man.
3: Becky yeah, Lynch is they, in it, too. I think they finished uh, filming the Marine 6, so... <laughs>
4: The they
1: Marines are a kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. Dude, they're I'm, fun. I'm a huge wrestling fan, so like, I'll watch all that shit. Like, there was one that WWE put out three, maybe two, three years ago that had Dolph Ziggler as like the star of it, and he was like a cop.
0: Was it twelve and, rounds three or something? No, that was the Dean Ambrose one. Not oh, that, okay, no, but <laughs> wouldn't um, twelve rounds three just be like fifteen rounds? Or or thirty six? Or 36, 36, yeah, that <laughs> depends on if you're adding or multiplying.
1: But the best like the the best thing that they always do with those with the WWE productions is they always find a way to work like other wrestlers into them. So the Dolph Ziggler one, I think it was called like lockdown or something. That but like right. there's a scene where like they filmed a bunch of stuff at like a WWE house show. And so like he's like a cop chasing the guy and he runs into like the back door and like Rusev stops him and he's like, What are you doing? You can't go in here. So Dolph Ziggler, of course, being the cop that's running with a gun. Super kicks him. <laughs> <laughs> super kicks. He's not. They're not supposed to like. They're not. He's not supposed to be a wrestler or anything. And he just. Any course, he super kicks him, and he's like, "I'm a cop, man," and then like keeps running.
3: That's Brilliant.
1: <laughs> I like
4: to, I like I to think that they have super, like, super kicks in like the police academy.
0: They should <laughs> teach that, man. No, I like, just. Karate like, and like I what
4: better to way, to to way to
0: stop oh. a per- or stop. <laughs> It's I just like to think that wrestlers like legit don't know what they're doing at any point. So like when they're filming a movie, it's like, "All right, so uh, you know, when's when's Triple H showing up?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when's
0: my music hit? They
3: <laughs> changed the booking before we came
1: out. We're in trouble. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's too many chairs. Which one do I grab?
1: Yeah. Oh, not that one. <laughs> oh man. There's tables here. Do I put someone through it? No, that's the catering. Oh
0: <laughs> Craft services is going to be pissed. Yeah. Chocolate cake all over the floor. <laughs> so you guys made a movie. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that one. 12
3: rounds, three. Um, anyway, no.
2: I we was thrilled to do one
3: of those clicks. And You guys watched it. That's, real, that's awful nice of you. It's awesome to actually
1: do an episode of a podcast where the hosts have have both been able to see the movie because it's not. I mean, it's played a number of festivals, obviously, but like the Blu-ray won't. The Blu-ray isn't going to be out till probably like late May, Mm. so like not that many people have gotten a chance to see it yet. So it's actually nice to be able to do a show where you guys have actually seen the movie.
4: Yeah, and I mean, like I, I was so grateful for the fact for you all to be able to send me the screener because, like I said, I was dying to see it and. You know, I'm glad that I now am able to add more than just, hmm, interesting. to the, the Because readings. honest to God, if he hadn't,
0: that's all that he would have said the entire time. No, yeah, we
4: had, we had discussed this previously. It was like, if I don't get a chance to see it, I'm just literally going to be here to, uh, you know. Give variations on that. Just like, hmm, interesting. I like the
3: poster like post, art. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> that poster art was you know really cool with you know the maniac it really is cool though by the way oh like, god i love that poster. I actually we have the poster both of us have the poster for the film
3: oh hell yeah tight it's uh, that's yeah it's by um that's by joel robinson who does a lot of the uh the shout fa- uh, the scream factory um covers nice. and he of course does his own he has does his own artwork if you're ever at a horror convention on the east coast like midwest um southeast he is for sure there (laughs) like he is he is a madman he does all those so um yeah he did our he did our cover art and it was uh it's like i love the movie like we we're very proud of the movie but like that that cover is
4: i mean i bet it must be really gratifying to be able to make something and then just have a poster that you can just frame and hang up in your living room or something like that's got to be like that's that's when you know you've made it I feel like when you can, Funny, you poster- know you can just like go to Kinko's and have posters made right I used to work at Kinko's
0: yes of course I did <laughs> The poster art was made almost a year
1: before the movie was done Yeah
4: so that was your inspiration for the movie it's like this we have to make a movie now to live up to this art well, That's where yes.
1: we got the poster art and I showed showed it to Kyle we're both like oh shit <laughs> like the movie actually has to be decent now <laughs>
4: That's awesome yeah so yeah. so let's let's get into a little like tell us a little bit about but, kind but of like
0: before that i just want to say because wow, okay. later it won't make any uh sense because there won't be that connection so i especially love the poster because you know i have no shame in admitting that i'm a terrible horror movie fan sometimes um nox horror fest was the first time that i saw maniac so yes yeah Me too. so like we just saw maniac And then saw Survival of the Film Freaks, and I was like, "Oh my god, I need
4: like twelve of these posters."
0: Ah, that's awesome. That's kind
4: of (laughs) we're wannabe (laughs) film freaks, I think.
3: (laughs) I had Maniac on VHS, but I it was like one of those things that I was thinking I was telling Bill like I never. It was the same with Zombie. I was like a movie I never made it through all the way, and I don't know if it was like because. i had it on vhs but i was also like uh, you know the first time i was like 22 years old and it was not of its time so i was like okay i just have this vhs horror movie called maniac like i just whatever like i would never actually sat down and watched it and same with zombie right it was like at knox that was the first time i like actually full attention watched and it was a beautiful they were both beautiful transfers so it was like it was cool to experience that but uh, also cut all that out because our poster is inspired by Maniac. <laughs> <laughs> the, the
0: good news is, is i'm just gonna those, bleep it
3: <laughs>
1: both those are two of my favorite films of all time so <clears throat> uh, when i had the actually the idea for the poster and i pitched it to kyle and i was like hey i think we should do like a maniac inspired one because we can totally update it And give it like that classic look with like the new shine, and Joel just knocked it out of the park. But um, Maniac is one of my all-time favorite movies, which is kind of weird to say because it is such a dark, nasty movie. But like, it is just a superb like, um, like timepiece of that period of late seventies, early eighties. I mean, New York has never looked dirtier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe Spinell's performance in that is just like the greasiest thing I've ever seen in my life, and it's just like that's got this hard edge and then there's just weird like feel of almost like sadness and like the tail end of it, it's just, it's a superbly made flick.
0: Yeah. And it might just be because we saw it in 4k, but like it is beautifully disgusting,
4: you know? Yeah, it really is. Like I was kind of blown away by, it. I mean, it definitely like, I mean, it is comparable to taxi driver, I think. And just the way that it like gets that, that gritty feel of New York, I think, I mean, it, Absolutely, it yeah. nails it. Yeah. Well, and um,
0: Jill, when she introed it and she was like, watch this, like a universal monster movie. And I'm like, okay, sold. And as disturbing as it was, <clears throat> it was also like, yeah, like this is what a universal monster would be like in the uh, late 70s, grungy New York, uh, blowing someone's head off with a shotgun.
1: Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Jill, Jill Six, she's a smart lady. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Who loves her rap snacks. True. Oh, loves
1: <laughs> If I may. If you would like to hear more from Jill Six, listen to last week's episode of Outside the Cinema, episode number five hundred and seventy-eight, where Jill Six appears with J.K. and we talk about some of our favorite films from the year
4: twenty eighteen. Oh, nice! Does she talk about rap songs?
1: What I can't go into business for myself. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we're we're all about shameless plugs on yes. this show, so and like, promoting plug yourself way. <laughs> um all right yes so uh
0: eric started to ask a question before i so rudely interrupted him well now because i don't want to ask it anymore i'm, off the rails further from I'm offended <laughs>
4: anywho so so just t- <laughs> just tell us a little bit yeah. about like where the uh the idea for this film came from because i'm curious like you know just what was kind of the seed of the idea and like how did you ultimately decide to to put this thing together Got,
1: y- you want to start this one no that's you Oh, it's me? Okay. Um, well, as I just uh, shamelessly plugged, I've I've done a cult movie podcast called Outside the Cinema for over 11 years. Um, and we, like, specialize in reviewing, like, the, like, bottom-of-the-barrel, like, films that, like, are a cult of one. And about, uh, I don't know, seven years in, I started just kind of thinking about things that I could do to do more things because podcasting obviously changed so much in that time period, whereas, like, everyone was, like, an independent podcast doing on their own. But, like, the last, like... You know, five or six years is really changed in terms of, you know, professionals kind of getting involved and like, it's really tough for like an independent podcaster to start on their own and actually build an audience. So I started looking at other ways to kind of, um, you know, get that information out. And I watched so many bad movies and just like got all this knowledge over the years that I was like, Hey, I'm like, I think, I think I could put together a pretty cool documentary about this. Um and then kind of thought about the technology changes, even just in the seven years I'd done the podcast about how I would film when I first started, how we got films now, and t- and then I thought about like the different releases of those films. You know, we'd reviewed stuff that we had pulled off of people had taped off a of cable. We've you know we would you know VHSs, Blu-rays, DVDs, streaming. So like there's all these different types of um, different types of like format. So I the idea kind of was just like, yeah, I think this would actually make a pretty good movie and then we can talk about kind of the future and how independent film and horror film and cult film can still survive. So I kind of just started writing stuff down and I wrote this diatribe that was like five or six pages of just like stream of consciousness of stuff that I had thought about for cult movies, why I liked cult movies, what cult movies I thought were good, what different formats were there. And then I realized that I was like, yeah, this is a good story, but I literally Have no idea how to go about making a documentary. Like everything I've done is audio. I've been I've been banned, so I can record audio, no problem. Like, good, but like, cameras, forget it. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I didn't go to film school. I didn't none of that stuff. So, I had met Kyle a while back when he was doing his documentary, Phantasm, and he had asked me to be in it. Uh, to do an interview and we had just kept in touch and we um, outside of cinema hosted the world premiere of it and stuff. So we had become friends over the years. And I was like, wow, I'm like, you know, I'm like, Kyle would be a really good dude to to touch base with on this and, you know, maybe see if he'd be interested in working on it with me and we could, you know, do it together. So I called him up, I gave him the elevator pitch and he's like, yeah, it sounds interesting. And I sent him all the stuff that I had wrote and I'm like, listen, I'm like, this isn't going to make any sense. It's like, it's like a book of just like, no paragraphs, like limited punctuation, massive spelling errors. <laughs> like, try and read it, and if it sounds like something you're interested in, you know, hit me back and let me know. And he got back to me like within like a day, and was like, "This sounds awesome." You know, like, what do you want me to do? And I was like, "Well, I want you to make it with me." I'm like, "I want to. We'll split everything down the middle. We'll co-direct. We'll co-produce. We'll co-write. We'll do everything together." Since. His strong suit because he did go to film school was that side of it whereas then I could focus on you know the interviews conducting the interviews and then also kind of working on like the video graphics and that side of it so we came together as a team um and it, and it ended up working out really well so we just kind of we kind of dove in right Kyle
3: mm-hmm. yeah I mean that was that was exactly it and it's like when you uh, when you sent me that first five pages of uh, your your James Joyce style um, rambling,
0: <laughs> which is my favorite thing to say, because <laughs> it was the way that uh, he described also... it. I was picturing more Unabomber ramblings. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh
3: lord. Um, I do have the sunglasses and the hoodie, so <laughs> you look like him every once in a while. Um, I was, uh, but that's also how I if something comes to me and something sort of like needs to be written down, I don't, I don't fret about like the organization of it. I just do the same thing. So like when I, I mean, that was the biggest thing, not the biggest thing, but that was like the first sort of step for me was like, Oh, Bill has this idea and I can sense the passion and the, like the enthusiasm behind it because it's written that way. Cause I, I, I also have that. So I was like, cause I didn't want to necessarily do another documentary. Um, I was living in Los Angeles at the time I was really ready to uh, I don't know Do I wanted to do something narrative and do something different but also that wasn't happening yet and I was like really kind of stuck in my own head trying to get something like that done so Bill comes along with something passionate and enthusiastic and also something that I love like I love film and I love cult film and that's where my sort of roots are is in horror and cult so it was all like it was all nice to take a step back and be like, yeah, this could be a project I can get into and like really enjoy it and also work with somebody who, who I dig and see if we have uh, a good chemistry. And, and I think we did. I'm excited with what we came out with.
4: Yeah, awesome. Um, so you talked about this a little bit. Nathan, I'm sorry. Do you, do you, no, no. You
0: I was like literally just about to steal the question that I think that you're about to ask. Okay. So.
4: so you talked about this a little bit, but I'm curious. I don't think that many people realize that documentaries are written. Um, <laughs> so can I go into what the writing process is like for something like this? Like how much of it? Did you like? Did you kind of know exactly what the structure of the film was going to be before you started doing the interviews, or did some of that just kind of come out in the interview process? Like, what what was that process like?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, go ahead, Bill.
1: It's like, like it's actually all of that. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, there was like there was like a an outline written of like the things that we wanted to cover and the things that we knew we wanted to include, and then it was like okay. Let's get a master list of questions. And I think our original list of questions was like, you know, like 50 or 60 questions that we would pose to people. And then it was a situation of like getting into the interviews and getting the stuff that we knew we would need. But then as we were gathering more footage, we knew which things uh, we had enough of and what other things that were coming up that we needed to explore further so like we had an outline we had a story I mean it's not like writing a narrative like I mean I've never actually really written a narrative script so I guess Kyle could probably speak to that better than me but we had all of the parts that we knew we were going to need and then it was kind of just like filling in the blanks and steering the conversations where we needed them to go to fill those blanks
3: it's funny because I think with the documentary it's like yeah it it is written however it's like different from a narrative thing where it's like it's the first draft is the notes and the outline the Mm -hmm. second draft is like while you're filming and like you're understanding what answers you're getting and like what things need to be talked about more or less or um the surprises that sort of come with it and then like the third and final draft or the the third and however many drafts it takes you to get the movie done is all in editing so it's like as opposed to like writing everything down and furiously uh, adjusting your script it's like you kind of adapt with what you're getting in a documentary so yeah it is it's a little bit of both like it it is written and then it's rewritten and rewritten and rewritten all like at at like in real time basically
0: well and i would imagine that it's so much more difficult to do a documentary because like when you're doing a narrative you have a beginning middle end And when there's a line of dialogue that's like no that's stupid let's like rewrite it to where it makes sense You know a character wouldn't say something like this But then when it comes to a documentary and you're getting people you know You're getting people talking about something that they're passionate about because I don't think that you had anyone on there That was just kind of like eh, movie's fine, whatever (laughs) So like when when someone's passionate about uh, talking about something that they love There's just so so much information That like I can only imagine how many hours hours on the editing floor of just like, oh my God, we want to include this because it's an amazing piece that doesn't fit in anywhere with the rest of the overall narrative.
1: no <laughs> <laughs> so like, um, you no know, yeah we, mm,
0: interesting stuff, I mean, the oh that key, was my cue the,
1: <laughs> the, key, <laughs> the key i found is that you get the good stuff in the interviews when you talk about things that people want to talk about um one of the things that i, I really pride myself on is i know i'm i'm a really good interviewer like i i'm that's one of my strongest suits, which is I think why I've kind of gravitated. Gravitated. That's a word. <laughs> gravitated.
0: That is so okay. a word.
1: That's why I've gravitated. That's my new wrestling character. I call it a pudding cat. That's that's your
0: Gravitator finishing move.
1: Coming to you. Th- the um,
0: gravitational pull.
1: Yeah, you cannot escape my zip code. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a really good interviewer. Uh, so I was, you know, I am I, I can read people well. And as we were doing the interviews, it was a matter of getting people to kind of focus on the things that they wanted to talk about. Like you can roll into Lloyd Kaufman and get the same interview that you get from Lloyd Kaufman in – Everything he's been in because he's been in many, many documentaries. But I feel like look often you get a different side of him in this documentary because he's not he's not the like salesman that's like, s- you know, screaming about trauma and selling this and selling that. He gets down to the point where he really gets into like the politics of like, you know, when 20th Century Fox is trying to take over everything and where does, you know, trauma fit in that world and where does you know, you don't get that from him a lot because people just kind of like are like, yeah, Toxic Avengers, cool, talk about that. And he's like, well, let me tell you about the special edition of Toxic that's coming out. Um, Same thing with Joe Bob Briggs, is like a guy that just like, he loves movies. So he's going to want to talk about movies, but there's specific things that he's going to really want to wax nostalgic about. So like, we had a ton of Joe Bob Briggs stuff that we wanted to use that we just couldn't fit in, because there wasn't a place for Joe Bob to talk about you know classic film reviewers in newspapers from like the 1970s in the film because it didn't really fit but like he just went on about that stuff because it's it's stuff that he wants to share that he doesn't always get to talk about yeah Yeah,
3: i think the the difference the difference between the the narrative and the doc stuff is is uh I, i wouldn't necessarily it's harder or easier they are really two different beasts it's 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 kind of an interesting thing and um, I think the biggest the biggest surprise and joy and stress it was all all in one ball um, was was that middle ground was like when we are filming and interviewing people it's like where is this doc going to sort of go like where like because we had yeah, that outline laid it out for us but it was I mean the, the, talking to people and seeing what people are actually talking about it sort of steers you in a different direction. Um, it could, I mean, it could totally overthrow you and steer you completely away from where you're going to go. That luckily wasn't the case for us, but it did take us in a couple different directions that we didn't expect, um, which are really fun to play around with when it comes to putting the final film
0: together. So I have a <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. Apparently Eric and I are dying over here. I know we're we're both <laughs> over here like <laughs> a little worried, coughing up <laughs> <out> phlegm. <laughs> that it's Kentucky heat. That's Tennessee heat, whatever. But there might or might not be tornadoes outside. So, Uh, oh
1: yeah, you got that bomb cyclone jump off happening. Yeah, cyclone jump off.
0: (laughs) Is is that another finishing move? Oh, you know it. It's a combination of two so uh related to people just like talking about what they talk about and you know sometimes they go on a tangent um how long did chris gore talk about people using bathroom in the movies because i feel like that was probably a good 10 minutes that he was talking about
3: we it 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 was it was actually we almost used the entire segment of him talking (laughs) in that final sequence so it might have only been an extra minute okay what you see in there, he does come back to it. Oh no, he doesn't. That's in the same. That's in the same clip. Yeah, but we did cut it up into a couple of things.
0: because uh, yeah, the way that it's edited, it feels like he's just going on and on and on,
3: uh, yeah. which I it, love. Yeah, no, that's that's almost that's almost completely continuous. But uh, I mean, he did talk about it for about two two and a half minutes. He talked about two thousand one, a space odyssey, way more. Um, we have a lot of we have a lot of him talking about that this is true that's his that's his bread and butter it's his, it's his
1: favorite. he said it was his favorite favorite movie of all time he said right yeah
3: yeah it's favorite movie of all time and he he warned us that he was going to bring it up a few times <laughs>
1: no no uh, steve scar no who was it that warned us that somebody was like ask him about 2001 that's
3: been Scarlotta. it might have been Scarlotta, yeah Cause we met we, yeah because we had lunch with them before we even really started our interviews so I think it
0: was him. <laughs> I I think it's just his
4: favorite because uh, they showed someone using the bathroom. I know I love that. That's the barometer that he had. It was like movies are bullshit. People never piss in them in these movies. <laughs> like when do they use the bathroom?
1: Yeah, there's two versions of the credits too. Um, I don't know which which version you guys watched. I don't remember which ones, but there's the one where he goes back to it at the very very end after all the credits. We place the part where he talks about Tom Hanks and how Tom Hanks goes to the yeah. bathroom. Yeah anyone else
4: yeah that's the one that that's the one that we saw
0: yeah th- then he's kind of like sorry that's
4: probably not what you asked at all <laughs> what was the question <laughs> uh, oh man i wonder if tom hanks like puts in his contract like i need to be shown using the bathroom in this film
3: yeah. or he like slyly he like slyly suggests it just like he's like you know like the real like this is you I know this piece is great How
4: much film it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's like i really gotta take a piss like just 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 bring the camera over here. Come here,
0: come here. He he just wears a GoPro every time he goes to the bathroom. Like <laughs> that that is literally his GoPro. <laughs> <Hey>. uh, <laughs> That's hey. terrible.
4: Terrible. So bad. Terrible like joke.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> we appreciate your encouragement, but please Talk stop encouraging him. Shit. <laughs> Don't <laughs> encourage me. <laughs>
0: Ooh, all right. Um, all right. So when you were talking um, about like why you wanted to do this in the first place and you were talking about cult movies and bad movies and horror movies, um, like what separates all of that for you? You know, like what's the difference between a cult movie and a bad movie and a B movie and a low budge movie? And because like a, a lot of people use those terms interchangeably, but I don't feel like they're the, all the same thing. Uh, I don't know. I don't actually like movies. <laughs> <laughs> you, you two are the worst. <laughs>
1: um, it, it, oh man, that's you know that's that's not an easy question to answer because it, you kind of look at it like like you can look at it like music, whereas like some people get really pissed off that everything is genreified. Where it's like if you're a fan of metal, like there's death metal, black metal, uh, doom metal, stoner metal, hair metal, like pe- there's the people that get like really pissed off. That
0: they're like, oh, why is everything
1: got to be classified? Like, what's the difference between Appalachian black metal and atmospheric Norwegian black metal? Well, I mean. (laughs) I need both
0: of those things in my life
1: right now. (laughs) It kind of tells you what the difference is in the movie. So, like, I get the classifications and Mm -hmm. cult film is is one of the the terms that is is a more encompassing one because it can re a cult film can be any genre it can be a comedy it can be a horror movie it can be a drama it can be an animated flick so like using the term cult is a very different thing and there isn't like one answer that uh is like you know like we asked everyone in the movie like we had everyone give us what their definition of cult was and almost everybody had a different answer nobody would like had these i mean there were similar obviously things because you know there's you know similar opinions especially in the type of people that we talked to for the documentary but there isn't like an all-encompassing answer um i don't know if that answered the question or not though
3: yeah i think that like for for me it's i mean because there are bad movies that are just poorly made films and that's like there's no that so there's no merit. I mean, anybody who can make a movie like that's great, like you've got a movie done and that's wonderful. But it's like if there's a bad movie that's also a cult movie, it's because there is some sort of potentially back end entertainment value to it. It's also maybe something that's like, um, you know, somebody's first, maybe somebody's first role. It's something that you can relate to that continues to um, influence your love of movies. So, like a bad movie isn't going to help build up your love for watching movies. Like, that one's just going to be like, oh my God, I don't want to see that ever again. But, like, a bad <laughs> movie sure. that's also a cult movie. Quiet. The Quiet. Oh, there he goes. There he goes. Um, <laughs> Goddamn dog. <laughs> but, a, a, uh, like, a cult movie that also sort of, and it could be a poorly made movie, has some sort of value to you as a film viewer. Um, and it's only a value to you because obviously somebody else values it like that too. And then you get to talk to that person about the cult of that particular movie. So mm-hmm. I think that that's where it sort of overlaps for me mm-hmm. um, is like there can be that it's still, I still like watching movies because I saw that. It didn't like right. yeah. not want to see anything anymore or even watch that movie again. Yeah, right. just
1: because a movie's a bad movie doesn't make it a cult movie. Like that's something that like I've kind of noticed over right. the the last couple years and kind of like promoting the flick is that just because it's a bad movie doesn't mean it's gonna fall into that, you know, that that realm. I mean like you can't take what's um Spike Lee's version of Old Boy is actually a really good example of that because it it doesn't offer you anything that the original film didn't do mm-hmm. better. So right. like Spike Lee's Old Boy just because People want to put it into that realm, but it's just not a good movie, and nobody's gonna latch onto it. And there isn't anybody. There isn't like a, a cult clamoring out there for Spike Lee's old boy. They're not like, oh man, he really did it with this one. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? and it's like another Spike Lee joint. Oh man, that's the best thing he's done since <laughs> do the right
0: thing. Like no, <laughs> it's, it's he did like, the wrong thing.
1: Right, but it's like you know what I mean. Whereas like that's the type of film where some people want to kind of like champion it. It's 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 not a cult film. It's just it's not a just a bad movie
4: no I think that's actually a really good point like for me when I think of a bad movie it's usually something like Spike Lee's old I mean as much as I love Spike Lee like Spike Lee's old boy is a movie that should not exist I feel like I mean it's there's no passion behind that film but like a good bad movie or like a cult movie is one where it's like objectively speaking maybe they didn't hit all the right notes that are expected but you could tell that the person making the film was passionate about what they were making and Absolutely. you can get some kind of entertainment value out of that i feel like yeah it's yeah
0: and like that's kind of where i'm at too like i i love quote unquote bad movies and it's always something that I, it's something that i have to end up explaining to people who don't already love the same kind of movies that i do where like when i talk about a bad movie i don't mean um I, like i'm not talking about um larry the cable guy in uh um Anything? Yes, anything. But I'm very specifically <laughs> in thinking in of his life in general. Uh, jingle all the way too. You know, like that's not the kind of bad movie that I enjoy watching. The stuff that I enjoy is, what like like you all have just been saying. It's stuff that has so much heart in it, where they were genuinely trying to make a good movie, and. Some things are terrible about it, but there's just something so endearing about it. Like, I actually do, uh, I try to do about once a month a bad movie night with some friends where I pair a really good movie with a, quote, bad movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm tricking them into watching a bad movie that they would never watch otherwise and then explaining to them, this is why this movie is actually, like, kind of amazing. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Like, you're you're not going to get that many people to watch Troll 2 who don't already love that kind of movie? But yeah, you show them best worst movie, and it's like, oh, I need to see this now because this just looks fun. And then they watch that terrible, terrible movie, and and it's a piece of their heart forever. So that's the way that it is with me? That's fair. Yeah. Bless it. No,
1: I I'm a, I'm am in a big agreement on that. It's all about <clears> the effort. You can't try to manufacture. I mean, you can you can try to do whatever you want. Um, and we kind of got slagged on this. We, we they did a review in the the Hollywood Reporter, and I don't I think the dude just kind of missed the point when he watched the movie. I don't know what he was what he was expecting, but like we talk about how you know, or not shouldn't say we, but like a lot of people in the film talk about how certain filmmakers go out and try to make a bad movie and try to make a you know a cult movie, and uh, it just doesn't it doesn't hit. And like he kind of took that as a as a bad thing. Whereas like I agree with that 100% in terms of you can't falsely manufacture something like that. You can be influenced by that and still succeed but like if you just get lazy with it and be like oh well you know it's supposed to look stupid and it's supposed to have crap in it and like like you know when you like purposely put a boom mic shot in your movie and you're not a comedy like mm-hmm. there's that's there's something wrong with that like you mm-hmm. didn't it's just it that's that's not creative that's lazy.
4: yeah Yeah. no exactly
0: i i don't know why but whenever i think of a boom mic being in the shot i always think of jack frost like the horror one not the one with michael keaton um I, the movie. They, <laughs> I wish that they were uh no there's like a scene um in in the kitchen like before the cop goes off to work and the kid had made like spaghetti but with i i, I don't know a tire irons or something i don't know he, he made some horrible food and it's just like in a uh, plastic baggie he's like oh thanks uh and and you see the boom mic it's totally forgettable but for some <laughs> reason that like that's the scene that sticks with me when i think of uh boom that's mics and cool.
4: movies that's funny okay so i'm glad that you brought up jack frost because that brings me like when I, I remember being a kid and going to the movie store like the video store and seeing the cover of jack frost and it had like that holographic cover where oh, it was yeah. like it's like a cute little snowman and then it like changes to something scary and i remember being like terrified by that but also mm-hmm. like so drawn to it which is something that i like you guys kind of have a little segment in the film that's talking about like just how wonderful it was to go to the video store and to either like first of all either like rent a movie just based on the cover not even look at the back of the box and or be like totally terrified by what you saw cuz Jack Frost is one of those movies for me um so like i i wanted to ask you guys like what are some of those movies for you like either movies that you watched just solely on the cover art or movies that you avoided because of how like terrifying it was for you,
3: to yeah. See um, the, so uh, Ghost Town, which was uh, is still a movie I've never seen. I think it's called Ghost Town. It's the one with uh, a skeleton in cowboy boots in what looks to be a ghost town. I think Scream <laughs> Factory put it out recently. Um, that was one I never wanted <clears throat> to see. Uh, because so it's the not
4: company. the Ricky Gervais movie, right? That's not. what I was thinking. Yeah. No, <laughs> because I would but understand if you would want to yeah, avoid for, that one too. <laughs> I also can tell you,
3: I never wanted to see that either um, for other reasons. Um, that was that was the that's the one that immediately comes to mind. Um, there was, I mean, there's always a few. I was actually for me, there was we had a video store that's horror section was separate from the rest. And yeah. uh-huh. it was, like, in a separate room, and there was a Chucky doll that was hanging over the ro- Like, somebody put, like, the Bride of Chucky style doll over the, like, the entryway to the horror section. So I didn't even make it to the section because Chucky was hanging out over the top, <laughs> preventing me from getting anywhere near the That is amazing.
4: Well, that's funny because I remember, like, as a kid, like, I was always really drawn to horror, but it terrified me. So I remember, like, I would walk past the horror section and just kind of like look at it out of the corner of my eye. Yeah. But you know, and then one other one, like, aside from Jack Frost, the other one that I always think of is Dead Alive. Like the poster where it's like you see like the skull in her mouth, kind of. Yeah. Like that used to freak me out seeing that.
1: Mine was Dead Pit because the Dead Pit had that oversized VHS cover and the eyes glowed. Oh, push it down and the eyes return
3: red. Um, Is I know the one I'll... about the ho- like the, the hospital. Like there's a <sighs> there's a pit in a hospital.
1: Something like that. I we covered it on OTC, available on iTunes and Stitcher and other fine podcasting <laughs> areas. Um, we covered it and, and I remember watching it and being like, "Whoa!" I would never watched this when I was younger. And guess what? Surprising,
0: it sucks. <laughs> Is it the sequel to the Money Pit?
1: <clears throat> it, yeah. That, that that it is it is, it is. Good Definitely. Long,
0: not appear in it but
1: in that goddamn Tom Hanks <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't pee in that movie yes
0: he, uh, he didn't pee but he did have the cherub statue pee
4: on him oh yeah nice <laughs> so, so someone someone was going to the bathroom there. If I think
0: it's, if it's not the burbs I don't care I think that is what christened him into
4: his uh, peeing in movies yeah, <laughs> I've just no, got a say
1: one red shoe. <laughs> <He
4: was. laughs> so i just looked up the poster for ghost town and oh my god that's hilarious the
3: <laughs> i love he's wearing
0: it's chaps not, oh my it's god not, that's
4: amazing
3: it's not necessarily scary but for a i, I don't know what it was
1: i don't oh, no, know i mean like... well spoiler we covered that on outside the Cinema also and it oh, sucks
3: so <laughs> <laughs> garbage town american was... gothic sort of scared me a little bit too because i was like a little imp guy right No, this is the one that is actually like that looks like the American Gothic painting, but they have like murder weapons in their hands as opposed to
0: uh, as opposed to like a regular pitchfork, (laughs) a murder and pitchfork rather than a hay and pitchfork.
3: Yeah, yeah. They used it for. Yeah, there's there's different styles of pitchfork.
1: (laughs) I remember the the cover a Ghost Story always kind of freaked me out, which made no sense because it was just a black box with a white like outline of a house on it and like a yellow moon. And for some reason, that gave me the freakazoids.
3: Dude, you know what? I think I, honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna analyze that for a second. I think that's a New England thing because like those like scary sort of houses that like aren't lit, don't have an outside light on or whatever, and are only like silhouetted by the moon are horrifying. Yeah, like, that's scary as hell. Yeah, in the south,
0: have... that's just you know like your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the house you live in. <laughs> like that's you that you was don't my house. Lights on in the south.
1: But I remember after then I got up the nerve to watch the movie, and holy shit, was it boring!
4: it's funny. That, I feel like I'm lucky because the movie that traumatized me, when I eventually watched it, it was actually awesome with Dead Alive. Like, I actually, like that—that yeah. that was a great movie. I feel like most other people, when they finally watched the movies that terrified them, or at least the cover terrified them, it was like, yeah, what the fuck was I scared of? <laughs> like, this is yeah. terrible. So I have no idea what that movie was
0: for me. Um, but like growing up. This was before our town had a Blockbuster. Uh, we had a store called Video View. And, you know, like just those tiny little uh, those video stores. Yeah, because they would, they would have the movies that, like, you couldn't find at Blockbuster. Because Blockbuster was all like, oh, we don't want to, you know, show movies like
4: this. They also had the dirty movies on the top shelf, too, you know. room. <laughs> well... Where I, where I came <laughs> with, from, I was lucky, you know. With a
0: very loose curtain
4: with that, a, <laughs> like, wasn't hiding anything. With our place, they just put it on the top shelf so you could still see it.
0: <laughs> Seems very
4: responsible. <laughs> my mom would just, like, stand behind me and slap me every time I cut my eyes up. <laughs> she, she was just waiting. So, yeah, like, I, I don't remember what movie it was for me,
0: but I do remember as a kid, um, every time that we would go to the video store, my mom would, like, point out movies And say can you can you believe that they make trash like this like don't don't ever watch something like this but she was intentionally pointing it out to me (laughs) so like something that I wouldn't have seen like she would take it off of a higher (laughs) shelf to point out just the, the pure drivel that is made and not drivel like she's a movie snob drivel like you know there's boobs and blood on the cover and like she would show it to me like don't ever watch this and I'm like all right cool I'm just going to watch that, like, as soon as I can come back here with one of my older brothers, so... Awesome! <laughs> Thanks for picking out the movie for this brand. That's what mom's off for. <laughs> your mom was curating your, your horror movie. Like, I, I really, really wish that I could remember some of those movies, because I don't remember any of them. I do remember that I watched a lot of James Bond as a kid, but, like, now that I'm a dad, it's really weird. Uh, love James Bond, but... I somehow am more okay with showing horror movies as my son grows than I am with showing James Bond because that's like here, let's objectify women and make guns cool rather than doing bad things is like a terrible thing. Right, right. That causes are, fear
3: right? and anxiety. And yeah, yeah, definitely don't show him Rambo three where Rambo fights for the Taliban.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's my that's my child's first movie. So, <laughs> Rambo 3.
1: <laughs>
2: you get to start
3: on the third one in the Rambo series.
1: <laughs> so yeah, you sit there this.
4: like I don't know what's going on. Like I need to see the first two movies before us <laughs> No, just, figure just out go the story Star Wars line. style. Always no, start no, with no. one yeah, later in the movie. It.
3: you're 5 years old. <laughs> Why is he
4: fucking
1: the Iraqi freedom fighters? What's <laughs> happening
0: Oh man. Um So in terms of uh, going back just a little bit with the movies that were like intentionally bad and like they they don't work because trying to make a bad movie and like I always think of full moon pictures, you know, like some of them are okay, I guess, but I got they they just feel like they're trying too hard. Um, What are your thoughts on movies that like they're intentionally trying to be like comedic with some of the stuff like not not necessarily comedic but like they're having fun with it rather than intentionally trying to make a bad movie so uh like the one that i usually think of is wolf cop
4: okay. where it's
0: not it's not a good movie mm-hmm. and yeah they made a werewolf cop who like there's a a store there that sells beer and donuts like they're trying to be bad but i also feel like at a certain point they're just like now we're just having fun and like once it hits the point where they stop trying to have a narrative and it's just a wolf cop being a wolf cop it's kind of fun like yeah. where where do you fall on movies like that
3: um i find i find stuff like that um because in my mind it doesn't fall into a cult category Which is fine. Like I'm not. That's that's just in my mind. It doesn't fall into that. Like Wolf Cop doesn't fall. It's using tropes and uh and like comedic time, like certain comedic angles in order to like prove its point. And yeah, it's maybe using a a gimmick or a premise that would have been similar to a cult movie. And you know what? Maybe they are setting up to be a cult movie too. But I also think that there's some there's some room for you to be inspired by and do those things in your film um, without it, like... And, and not to mention, the other issue that we have for for those movies that are maybe falling into the trying too hard or, like, using particular gimmicks in order to maybe place them in a cult category, you also have to take into account um, the current day and age, which is, like, social media is also sort of putting putting words in that filmmaker's mouth and in that filmmaker's vision to try to also place it somewhere Sure. like I mean say Wolf Cop maybe I, I, I mean I'm just using Wolf Cop as an example I don't remember what their marketing strategy was or anything but say Wolf Cop wasn't trying to promote itself like a cult movie it was just like a fun movie that has a crazy tr- like crazy storyline and nuts content and is inspired by some things but it's also like the, the train starts so early, the hype beast starts so early that it almost, you for, you don't know what the filmmaker's vision is sometimes because that train beats you to the destination. It's like, you, mm-hmm. sometimes you can't follow that along. Um, so, I mean, I really just have to watch movies like that at my own pace sure. and on my own terms and I can't <clears throat> let something else or somebody else sort of uh, influence me for that. Um, which I'm finding uh, Which is a, a hard thing for me to learn And a hard thing for me to practice um, Because I also get caught up in the hype sometimes too Like I You know I get caught up in that stuff sometimes uh, Before I even watch a movie So I've been trying to like Measure that out for myself um, So movies like that are, are really Case by case basis in my book
1: yeah, I mean
3: I'm, I'm good with Wolf Cop
1: Because Wolf Cop plays the comedy That's the key Is like it's written as a comedy. It plays itself off as a comedy. It's not at any point trying to be like this hard edge, hard nosed, like serious. I, I I get it. Like you know, it's playing the right thing. Another one that's that that you know works really well in that is Black Dynamite because Black Dynamite is a <laughs> comedy that's sending up all the black exploitation movies. And half of the scenes in Black Dynamite, I don't know how how much black exploitation got you guys have taken in, but like. There is a, a large number of scenes that are just literally lifted right out of like Willy Dynamite or like Superfly and like these, like, you know, scenes that are then played off for comedy. So they're playing it off right. The difference is when you have the people that try to make, I think, serious, <clears throat> hard-nosed stuff that don't even really have an understanding of where those flicks came from is where the stuff seems to fail. Like you got to get a yeah. film for like a Neil Breen. I don't know <laughs> if you know anything about Neil Breen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like that dude is fully invested in what he is doing and like you can't tell him that it's not good and you can't tell him that it's <laughs> not that, you know, dude, this is stuff is hilarious because like it is it's hilarious because it's so inept. But that dude is so committed to what he's doing and it it just it's like it's like the room where it's like it just happens to hit in the right way he's been able to do it like four or five times now because it's just like he is so committed to what he's trying to do that like it's just like this unreal thing that's the aberration though that's not the norm like if i had a dollar for every retro grindhouse movie that i've watched in the last like how long ago to grindhouse the 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 double bill come out 2007? 2007 2007 yeah I, I was
0: about to say, like, 12
1: years ago, I think. Yeah, like, you know, in the last decade, decade, and, you know, a quarter or whatever, like, all the stuff that came after that. There's some good flicks, don't get me wrong, but, like, the stuff that succeeds is stuff that's that's influenced by that, not necessarily trying to, to cop that.
3: Not completely uh, derivative, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think the the best example of something like that is, like, Ty West House of the Devil. Mm-hmm. Super cool oh, I love that movie. In- and like it's got the it's got the opening sequence and it's kind of got the look to it a little bit, but it's a well-made horror movie. It's right. written, it's shot well, and it's influenced by. <sighs> but it's not necessarily trying to be one of those movies.
0: Yeah. Well, and he obviously did his homework. Like I, I love that movie more than I can possibly explain. Um, and it's really hard to explain to people who don't enjoy it why it's so amazing because i've shown it to people who think that it is completely boring and it's like no like it's not it is filled with dread and suspense because he's doing all of the things that he's doing all the things that you do in horror movies to build suspense like when they're driving down the road the camera's in the back and below them so you don't see what's in the road like you just know something's going to jump out in front of them and um You know, like, uh, when, when they show up to the house and just like everything just seems a bit off, uh, or like the, the wife has a, um, like a tiny little goat, uh, brooch on, which I watched the movie probably four times before I noticed that, that she has like a little pagan symbol on and just, there's so many little things that just add to that atmosphere that God, I love that movie. Sorry. Great (laughs) Great
3: movie. That's awesome.
0: Um. Yeah. When you mentioned the uh social media, like, I I feel like that's something that that has just completely changed the way that movies are viewed now. And part of the reason that uh, Eric and I love Survival of the Film Freak so much is it does kind of bring back in that atmosphere of going to your local uh, movie store and like having someone to talk to who knows their shit about movies. Like you go online and you see millions of people just trashing a movie before it even comes out. And it's just like I, you've not even given it a real chance. Um, you know, like I, I still go to pawn shops all the time and I, I like I will buy movies simply based off of the cover. You know, right. like I'll see them and just like this is probably a terrible movie, um, but I don't care. Like I picked up one today. Uh, happy birthday to me. And oh, it's, it's so good. I have never seen it, but the cover alone is just oh, like is this. The
4: shishkebab thing going like is that is that? Wait, am I thinking the right movie? There's Ooh. another
0: like birthday horror movie that I also found that was I think a vinegar syndrome. Bloody birthday. Yeah, maybe, oh, it's maybe bloody that's... birthday. Um, both are great. But,
1: <laughs> but yeah, th- to me is a plus. Like eighty slasher stuff. It's good. It's good.
0: Yeah, th- and the cover alone was just you know like this kind of evilish looking girl holding a cake. And, like, I, I didn't even bother uh, looking up any sort of reviews or looking at the back
4: covers just like, yes. <laughs> oh, <100%.
0: laughs> Instantly, yes.
4: Yeah, that's uh, the one 100%. thing that's... I think that's the toughest thing about, like, being a movie fan in the age of social media is it's like... I Because I, there's so much content now and I have such so little time to actually watch movies that... I'll go on Netflix, and I'll find something. I'll be like, oh, man, I love the cover of this. It looks sweet. And then I'll be like, okay, I'm going to look up some reviews to make sure this is the movie I want to watch. And then over time, I talk myself out of it. and that, like I right. feel like I'm missing out on so many great experiences because I don't just have that, like, f*** it mentality anymore. Like, I'm going to watch this because it looks awesome, not because of anything I've heard about it. Well, and I also oh. keep forcing you to watch movies for the podcast. That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I have no You're, free time anymore. You
3: already have your plate full. No, uh, <laughs> oh, that's 100% true. It's like it's really difficult um the accessibility of everything has been uh, a total blessing and a curse not to be you know cliche or whatever but it's it really has been i mean it's it's so amazing that we can watch all these things but if it takes you 45 minutes to choose a movie you missed out on watching half of a movie and then you're going to take twenty minutes to watch it, and then shut it off because you want to watch something else. <laughs> and it's no, like,
4: yeah, that's I do this so much it drives me nuts. Like, like I'll have I'll sit there at like eight o'clock at night. Everyone's in bed, and I'm like, I have enough time to watch two movies if I want to. And then usually I watch half a movie and then yeah. never end up finishing it because I don't have time to watch it later. Yeah, yeah.
3: it's a hard thing to discipline because you're also surrounded by people and voices who are telling you watch this, do that. Here's what I thought of this. Here's like what's happening here. And it's just, it's very, it's really hard to, to like discipline yourself to, to watch something. That's actually one of the, one of my favorite things that anybody like says in, in our documentary is when our buddy Eric from bloody good horror, um, talks about just having the patience to sit down and watch a thing. And that, that rings in my head every time I try to Have the patience to sit on a thing. Like I, like I try to, like I try to, like channel my inner Eric in that moment, and like have, like give myself a little grace. So you try to,
1: try to try to be like a five foot tall, nine <laughs>
3: pound waist man. Yeah, I'm pretty close, except for the height part. So I always
4: have to like try to ch- like try to narrow it down before I sit down. Like beforehand, like throughout my day, sometimes I'll be at work and I'll be like, "All right, I need to like get in the headspace of what I want to watch tonight." Otherwise, I'm going to sit down and have no idea what to do. And just,
3: yeah, that's what work is for. I have, to,
4: <laughs> I have to I have to set limitations. What like, you
1: need uh, to do is here. I'm going to solve all your problems. Just make yourself a queue and just start watching them in the order that you put them on the queue. Just so, regardless of what you're in the mood for, mm-hmm. like be like, "All right, this month I want to watch these ten movies," and then you watch those ten movies.
4: Well, it's a good idea too, and and nine times out of ten, I'll like I'll start looking through my queue and I'll be like, "No, I'm not in the mood for this, not in the mood for that." But again, if I actually just hit play. After about five minutes, if it's a movie that I want to see, then I'm I'm I get in the mood You're for into it. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a good that movie, it's going
1: to stick anyway. And if it's a bad, mm-hmm. movie, it was going to be a bad movie whether you were in the mood for it or not.
4: Sure. Yeah, and
0: you know, like growing up, um, again, before owning as many movies as I do, I have a problem. Um, you know, like we would rewatch the same movie because you rent one. And it's due back in four days. So you watch the same movie like four times in a row. It's dollar's worth. Exactly. (laughs) Like, yeah. So, like, I, I grew up with if you have a movie, like, you watch it and you appreciate it or you watch it once and it sucks and you take it back. But, yeah, like, I feel like so many people are just, like, if they're not enjoying it 30 minutes in or 10 minutes in, like, they turn it off and they move to the next thing. And they're just so impatient that they don't allow themselves to get to where the movie like finally sticks or where it finally hits them with just like oh I get it now you know yeah. like um one that we were talking about before the um before the podcast this week with the 71 version of the zodiac, the zodiac killer. killer yeah <laughs>
4: <laughs> where... That was a that was a tough watch but the... <laughs> it
0: hits a certain point where it's just like okay this movie is bonkers and um yeah it's uh it, it is just
4: it's a little crazy. I love it. <laughs> I don't but I understand why you love it.
0: It's so- awful. <laughs> but
1: inherently interesting because of the story surrounding
0: it. So. Right. Right. Also, you know, his rabbits. Uh so <laughs> speaking of just coming up with a cue, um, the list of movies that's in the credits, is that all of the movies that are either mentioned or shown in film freaks. It's
3: it's all the ones that are shown. It's not all the ones that are mentioned. It's
0: everything that has a clip.
3: Um, Admittedly, we are missing two or three um, because (laughs) we couldn't figure it out after the fact. (laughs) That's
1: awesome. uh, Somewhere in the neighborhood, I'm not making this up either of 36 hours Mm -hmm. of trailers because almost all of the footage in survival is trailer footage with the exception of like two or three short clips that are from the pretty much the only things we could get from them. But like everything is from trailer footage because everyone remembers the trailers for a lot of those movies. Mm -hmm. So we were like, Hey, we're going to use the trailer footage. Right. But I pulled like 36 hours of trailers. So if you break that down to two, two and a half minutes per trailer, we had a lot of stuff, and I just kept yeah. sending Kyle shit. I was just like, "Hey, man, <laughs> I'm like, here is 17 minutes of clips <clears throat> from trailers from 1971."
3: Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a lot to sift through, and like, <laughs> like Bill, Bill did a lot of the legwork on that, which was a huge blessing. But it's like you boil down and boil down, and you cut and you pay, in like you you know edit and do whatever, and then you. It was honestly we. I didn't write down what everything was from when I was pulling images. So then, <laughs> I, we once the movie was done, we had to go back and be like, oh, what is all this from? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, that's you funny because that was one of the questions that I had too. Like As I was watching the movie and seeing some of the montages that you all put together, I'm just like, like i mean in the movie it, it you wouldn't be able to tell like that you it it just it just seems daunting to me to be able to put all of that together and make it flow as well as you do like that that seems more difficult to me than making the movie itself like everything else like I don't know. That just, <laughs> they, just they just randomly uh, pulled stuff. Like I, I mean, think there's something in there from Wizard of Oz. I'm and, just you know. trying to think like how do you even like how do you go about picking these clips? Because I know that you didn't like. <clears throat> I mean, some of them I'm sure you had in mind beforehand, but a lot of them too. It's yeah. just like you had to go through all of this footage, and that just sounds like so tedious and time consuming.
1: Uh, like, it, it isn't. It, it isn't it, though. Yeah. Like, we. We tag teamed it. So like I pulled all of the trailers and then I was like, all right, cool. So we're going to do music, monta- music montages to bridge the gaps in the film. Or not the gaps, but bridge the different subjects. So what I did was like, I got together like all of my 70s trailers and I started pulling clips of interesting stuff from 70s trailers. And then I was like, all right, cool. Or not 70s, uh, 80s is the first one we did. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And so I then got it down to like a 36 minute clip of just like three or four seconds of this, three or four seconds of that. And I pared it down to like 20 minutes and then got it down to like nine. And then I would be like, all right, this is nine minutes of clips from trailers of stuff that I think is perfect. Here's the music we're going to use. So I send the music to Kyle and then I say, Kyle, here is nine minutes and change of clips Get it to ninety
3: seconds. (laughs) And that was that was literally it. And it yeah, it is it's hard and it's not because it was also like watching all those trailers is something we would have done. Anyway, right? So yeah. like, yes. how many
0: hours of your life have you wasted
4: just watching trailers on YouTube? Um, wasted oh, is not yeah. the correct yeah, not the terminology there. Lovingly,
1: but. lovingly spent uh, yes. a lot of hours. Reinvested, what? I think, is
0: the word you're looking Reinvested. for. How many hours have you been wasted watching <laughs> trailers on YouTube?
4: Oh,
3: Zero. Yeah, yeah, Bill. Bill, lot zero. Uh, it's all my hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I make up for Bill. Well, and that uh, seems like
4: probably even the hardest part is like you have all of these like fantastic clips that you want to use, but you have to like pick your favorite children and shove them in the movie. Like that just seems seems tough.
3: Yeah, you know, it was it it. <laughs> Not to give one of those answers again, but it wasn't, it wasn't. It was like, (laughs) you know, you come across so many things that are so indicative of those time periods. It's like, so it's like, yeah, you know, maybe I don't get to use that clip from Tourist Trap that I wanted to, but like this clip from Breaking 2 is so specifically like (laughs) the vibe that we're going for that I got to use it. Um, You know, so it was like, when there was that I whether there was one thing that I didn't feel like I could use, there was another thing that was so clearly of its time and of its like uh of the the type of thing that we were trying to transition to yeah. that I opted to use it. So I and didn't have to kill that, too many darlings in that one.
1: Yeah, and the fact that we had chosen what the music was gonna be for those two, syncing the stuff to the music helped to kind of bear it down too. And yeah. yeah.
3: It was foundational um, to have the music sort of already picked out um, so that we could just sort of edit around to that.
0: Yeah. So uh, in a somewhat related question, how many of the movies that were talked about, like, have you actually seen?
3: I've seen just about all of them. Yeah, Bill's definitely seen... Uh,
0: probably almost all of them. What when, when I was watching is like, oh my God, I love this so much. And again, I know that we said this before, but like this explains so well like why we love some of the movies that we do. But when I was watching it, I was like I have a lot to catch up on.
4: Yeah, no. <laughs> well, it, it is interesting because yeah, it's it, it was great because it gave me more movies to watch you know, as if I didn't <laughs> need it as as if I needed more. But um, But yeah, like the movie is just like a perfect way to articulate why i love this genre like just quote-unquote bad movies or cult movies like it's one of those things where if you're talking to somebody who's not really into this this kind of filmmaking i guess you could say they're like why would you watch that even with my wife sometimes she's like why on earth would you watch this movie why would you watch the zodiac killer or (laughs) maniac or one of these movies and i'm just like i i I don't really know how to explain the appeal without sounding like, you know, I'm a sociopath or something. I mean, like, I don't know. There's just something about it. It's hard to explain. <laughs> There's and,
0: some really fun kill scenes. Yeah. So.
4: Well, and even even beyond that, it's just like getting into the like kind of the, the themes of the films and stuff. It's it's just difficult right. to explain to someone why I love these types of films. So now, you know, I have this documentary that I can just be like, here. This'll t- this will explain it to you.
1: we we've been lucky too, because the doc is really well, with people that aren't even necessarily cult movie fans. Yeah. So it's the type of thing where like it really illustrates the like craziness from these films, but also making them interesting. So like my wife has obviously watched the movie a bunch of times because she was here when we were doing the editing and we were putting it together. But she hates horror movies. She hates that stuff. Like she like when she knows I'm watching a movie for the podcast, she'll come in and be like, um, how rapey is this (laughs) (laughs) on a scale of one to ten how rapey is this and can i be in the room and i'm like it's italian 1975 you probably don't want (laughs) to be here probably want to get (laughs) it okay (laughs) good see you later
4: like Um, i feel that way too like there's sometimes where i won't even watch a certain movie until my wife is asleep because i don't want her to walk in and see the movie
0: that i'm watching there are times that you ask yourself just eric how rapey is this movie well eric (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <Dear> Eric. <laughs> but like one thing that I, I've I've also noticed too that because I've watched this stuff for so long and been into it for so long, I forget that there's like the different levels of you know genre and cult movie fans. Like we've one of the clips that that people always seem to bring up in the movie, then they come up and ask us. It's happened at least three or four times at festivals. Hey, what's the movie with the weird baby hippopotamus in the? In the fountain oh, yeah. and stuff, <laughs> and I'm like, "That's it, the Holy Mountain." That's Alejandro Jodorowski. Oh what yeah, know what that is.
3: Yeah, but, and, yeah, that's like a Holy Grail of like cult cinema, and that's like one of the stars. To me,
1: like everybody should know what the ho- what the Holy Mountain is. Yeah, and, like a lot of people are like, I have never heard of it, and I was like, Oh man, I'm like I forgot that. Like, I'm like I'm such a dick because <laughs> I'm being that jerk. That I'm trying to like not be by like going off and being like, what do you mean? You know, you've never seen what well, you've seen El Topo, right? And
0: I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, isn't that a Mexican restaurant?
1: Isn't that the one that got shut down by the uh, the FDA?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, but like it's happened a bunch of times. So it's like part of me is like mad being like, what do you, you think? You're a cult movie fan. And it's like, Bill, come on. Like not everybody sees everything. Right. But, like, if we can turn people on to guys like Jodorowski that didn't know that they existed before, then, like, that's a big part of why we made the movie.
3: I mm. will I will say that one of the things that we're really excited about the physical release is that, well, I, I am. I, I think Bill is, too, uh, nice. is that we've included a Film Freak checklist in the discs oh, so that you nice. can follow along with, with the clips and check off whether or not you've seen. And they're all in order of how they're shown. Oh, Um, I love
4: that so much. That's such a brilliant idea.
3: So you can check off, like, something that you've seen or want to see or whatever. Like, however you want to do your checklist, you can follow along with the movie and and check off what you've seen.
1: Did we put in that, though, the ones that we don't know what they are? (laughs) (laughs) No. It's it's just a question mark.
3: I hope that somebody, like figures out what one movie is well, no, on the list we're
1: gonna need to put unknown at those clips so it doesn't offset <laughs> everyone's order
3: well well bill that the, the good thing is that the clips that we don't know is one random explosion and like one random like head so i think <laughs> i think you guys play. can
4: you guys can like turn that into a game like uh, a scavenger hunt kind of thing like figure it out on your own just say it's from uhf yeah <laughs> <laughs> there you go
3: really scare you? <laughs>
4: yeah, I do have I do have one quick question. So going back to how rapey is this? I want to know, like, because you know, with these films, you know, with our documentary is not that rapey. So it's not it's, very rapey. That's true. Yeah. Um, but you know, with with cult films like this, you know, they're all well, not all of them, but I mean, most of them are going to be really low budget. So in a lot of cases, you know, they have to do something to set themselves apart. So they usually have more, you know, extreme violence or extreme sexual content. So extreme rape. Extreme rape, yes. Um so is there any kind of objectionable content that you draw the line at when it comes to these movies? Like or is there is there something that you just will not watch because of something that it depicts in the film that you just can't handle? Um or will you do anything?
3: Yeah, I'll I'll try anything once. I think that and I and I like I mean that jokingly and in all seriousness because <laughs> I think that um I, I think that there I I give everybody the benefit of the doubt and I hope that there is a reason that a movie is made. Right. I understand that that's a little naive and maybe like also a little, um, optimistic, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I feel like I, I hope that there is a, like a good reason, um, besides money and exploitation that a movie is made. Uh, as we know, that is not always the case. There's a whole genre of movies that are, that's not why that's like, they're made for money and exploitation. Um, however, I, i I'll, I'll I mean, I'll try to watch a lot of stuff. I I think that if there is, I have a hard time watching stuff where I know that the filmmakers have done something bad, either then or because of the art that they're making. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not for me. That's not a like a separate art from artist situation. That's like don't uh, like that's that's hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not film content. That's filmmaker content or like the you know person like personal life of whatever um so as far as like film content um i don't i haven't done any of the like the august underground stuff like the extreme that was i was thinking of yeah like the like the extreme realist stuff like i haven't done any of the guinea pig stuff either like that's and i don't know if that's just because i I mean, I said I'll try anything once, but I, I don't know if I'm necessarily like ready to give that a shot yet because mm. that just doesn't seem in my wheelhouse. Mm. Um, but I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that there's no reason that those films could have been made or should have been made. It's just it might not be mm. my my, uh, my cup of tea. It's definitely you know, not the.
1: It's funny that you bring up the August Underground series because that was kind of the one of the first ones that I thought of. Um, I, I don't enjoy them. I don't like gore for the sake of gore. Mm. So something like... Have you either of you guys seen any of the August Underground films?
4: No. No, I haven't.
1: So essentially... I'm aware
4: of them, but yeah, yeah it's so not...
1: What they are, if any of the listeners don't know what they are, is uh, they're found footage serial killer VHS tapes. So like the idea is that they found these tapes that these serial killers made, and it's just them murdering people. There's literally no story. There's no... like. Like, anything other than, like, fake murders on screen. And they're shot in, like, a cinema verte found footage style. So I, like, kind of was really, like, you know, like, just, like, F these movies. There's no, there's no point. But then, like, I started talking. I interviewed Fred Vogel, the director, who runs Toe Tag, who's actually an incredibly nice guy. Super cool dude. And, like, talked to him about them. And he was kind of like, well, he's like, you know, they're effects reels. He's like, I totally understand your point and I appreciate where you're coming from. He's like, but, you know, we look at it in the terms of like their effects reels of what we can do and what we can show. So they're a film that's geared more towards someone that's interested in watching effects and how they kind of are are done and like trying to figure it out. And, and like, I didn't I never even thought of that, but it's, you know, it's just not for me. It's Mm. something that I don't want to revisit. I have all of them. Uh, and they 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 just they sit there, but like that. Who am I to say that somebody else isn't going to enjoy that? The stuff that really kind of just bugs me is like a Serbian film was one of the few films that really just I was just kind of like, okay, this is this is too much. I watched it once. I'll never watch it again.
4: Yeah, that's the one that that's that's kind of like the one movie that I've singled out is like I don't think that I will ever watch that because I just I don't think that's something that I could handle.
0: Almost like your unholy grail
4: pretty much yeah that is my unholy grail um because yeah I, i've read about you know've i've perused the imdb parents guide for that film and uh no thank you <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: that's not, but here's the thing though it's an incredibly well-made film it's like insulting how well it's made with what they're doing with it and, well, and there the
4: like <laughs> i feel like there's a reason behind it like i mean i feel like they're they're not just I mean, again, just based on what I've read, it sounds like there is an actual kind of like socio-political undercurrent with the film about like Serbia and that the filmmakers really trying to make a point about, you know, like I
1: appreciate that (laughs) they, they kind of try to put that spin on it. I don't personally buy it after seeing the film and seeing what goes on in there. I'm like, there is a lot of other ways that you could have probably gotten this point across without like. Going there because I've never seen a movie that's gone there the way that movie has. Went there, yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah, for me, it's um, like I can't really think of what I wouldn't watch, but more of like why, you know. Mm. So, like, even talking about how rapey is the movie, um, you know, like I, I think about revenge films and like rape scenes in revenge films are typically like they're shown to show you this is how brutal and terrible it is so that like you're rooting for the woman to then go and take revenge and like, you know, see the guys get their comeuppance, which is very, very different from, you know, like the kinds of movies that glorify it or Mm. like the people who've made movies who have actually raped someone. So yeah, yeah, like in terms of what it's hard for me to think of that just in part because of, you know, the various uh, film festivals because, um, Oh was it this year or last year at the Knox horror Film fest where there was that one about the uh it was it was a short I think it was this last year um there was a guy I want to say that it was a South American film maybe uh he was a cinematographer or you know just like a, a camera guy and he was filming a wedding
4: oh yeah yeah what was that movie called?
0: I don't remember. But then just like Things literally all hell yeah. breaks loose and like a demon is just raping a bunch of dudes and it you you just about see penetration. Um Ooh. like it is so unsettling, but it's so off the wall I- <laughs> <laughs> that it's just like I I'm disturbed, but not offended, you know? Mm, but then, sure. like, other movies that do much, <laughs> much, much lesser things. Or, I mean, even going back to uh, to James Bond a little bit, as much as I love Bond films, like, he's a complete dick.
4: Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> no doubt. Well, that's a good point. I mean, context is key. It's like I've never – I don't really have any interest in watch watching, like, the August Underground movies, but I love Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which has very similar kind of scenes yeah. in it, but I think oh. that – um, just because of the context that it's put in in that film, makes it more palatable and you know understandable. Yeah,
1: yeah. well, you get a killer performance from an excellent actor changes the whole feel of it. Nothing yeah. against Fred Vogel; he ain't exactly Michael Roker. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> it's
0: true. Yeah, or or even just like you know the intention of the director, like um, you know uh, Antichrist versus Human Centipede. As disturbing as Antichrist is i could see myself watching it again
4: oh yeah definitely
0: in, in a very weird mindset or you know like showing someone else that film like it's not going to be one that i'm like "Ooh, i want to go watch antichrist but like i can see myself watching it again mm-hmm. human centipede which kind of has a m- more disturbing premise like it's not nearly as it's not nearly as obscene it's just dumb yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. I think that whole series is fucking shit.
4: It's terrible. It's oh man, yeah. And I'm and that's 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 a, that's very harsh criticism coming for us because we're pretty nice guys when it comes to how we talk about movies. We we always try to find the silver lining in almost anything we see. But right. Human Centipede, there's really not much redeeming anything in this. Well, at least if in you, the first one, I've never seen the other ones.
1: If you want to like the first Human Centipede, watch the third one. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I told oh. myself, I'm like, all right, Bill, you you and Kyle are going out there. You've made a movie. You're going to have to do interviews. I told myself I'm not going to pull punches on how how I feel about films because mm-hmm. like, I have friends that are like, you know, that are also filmmakers that like won't say anything bad about anybody. And I'm just like, no, Tom Six made the third the third. <laughs> human centipede film, he needs to pay for that. <laughs> it's literally one of the worst films I've ever seen.
3: Your the form second. of vigi- your form of vigilante justice is really weird. I know. <laughs> I um,
1: but well, like the second bit, like, human uh, centipede film I think is interesting because they at least tried to do something different with it. And it took it out of that like weird, almost comic book feel that the first one had and made it made it dark and made it real. And then the third one just kind of throws all of that out the window. So I get like the appeal in this, the story of something like that, but that's not what, if you're going to go there and you're going to go gruesome and you're going to try to gross out, like I'm much more inclined to watch something like irreversible, uh, Gaspar Nose film because it has like a heart and it has a soul. And that is literally one of the hardest films I've ever watched. Like hardest times I've ever had watching a film because It's shot in this masterful way in the way it's shot, how it's like reverse, how it rewinds itself, plays forward, rewinds Mm. itself, plays forward. And there's like all the weird sound stuff that's going on. And then the scene that obviously everyone talks about is that like 15 minute long rape scene with Monica Bellucci that is just one of, if not the most harrowing thing I have ever seen put to film. Uh And it's like, oh, man, this is this is rough. Why would anyone watch this? But like it's so masterfully done in the way it's presented, and then how the film ends, where it ends actually at the beginning of the film, and your heart just breaks yeah. because the way it plays itself out. That's how you do like a quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes on that. Anyone see? But like you know, like <laughs> that, gross, that that gross out over the how far can you push it? I have no problem with somebody pushing it like that. If they're going to actually make a strong piece of art out of it, yeah. but if they're just going to make a videotape, you know, pretending to cut somebody up or just, you know, like there was that thing that happened at heart Hound a couple years ago where the filmmakers of, I don't remember the name of the film or the, or the filmmakers, but like, it was like, they said some pretty fucking dark shit about like how it was really cool to be able to make a movie where we just get to rape girls all day. And like, ooh, what the, what is wrong with you? like, that's why you made the movie. Like, that's what. And even if that's not what you meant, how stupid are you to say that's something really like that? D- well, yeah.
4: I hate that too because that kind of puts, like, it um, perpetuates this narrative that a lot of people have where, like, people who love horror movies are just, like, you know, crazy people who love to see, who just, like, want to murder or whatever. But, like, I feel like my experience is that people who love horror movies are, like, some of the nicest, most empathetic people you'll ever meet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean,. Uh, I mean, there's, but there, I mean, just, it's just like everything else. Like, you know, you have football fans that are assholes. You got horror fans that are assholes. Oh yeah. It's the same thing. It's just like, you know, you gravitate towards the people that are into the things that you are. And that's kind of, that's where you make those connections. Kind of going back to the social media thing. Whereas like people in our film talk a lot about how it's not the same, but like it can be the same if you surround yourself on social media with the right people. Like you get. Like a group you create a group or you join a group of like minded people that are into the type of things you are, and you're gonna be able to have those smart conversations that you used to have at the video store. It's just a matter of doing a little bit of work. You can't allow just the glut of everything on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram to dictate what you wanna do with your movie with your movie viewing. It's the same thing with music. It's like just because somebody tells you a record sucks, that doesn't mean the record sucks. Listen to it yourself. Check mm. it out.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah like i mean we try to do that uh like eric said we try to not ever say anything negative let me rephrase that we try to always find a silver lining there's plenty of things we're like oh god it's terrible but <laughs> but like we like we try to do that especially um especially thinking about the fact that again not everyone has seen the same things like what about this movie is good there are some technically proficient movies that are amazing and just a pain to watch because they're just kind of Boring, you know, beautiful, but they kinda suck. Then there's other yeah. movies that are complete trash that are just some of the most joyous experiences ever. Uh, which brings me to a movie that I, I want to hear you guys talk about just because I, I just want to hear you two talk about it. I know where this is going. Movies like Pieces. <laughs> <laughs> never,
3: <laughs> never heard that. What do you call
0: <laughs>
3: Pieces of April? <laughs>
1: Oh with um with uh Katie, what's her name from Dawson's Creek?
4: Sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> One of our favorites on the Gargoyle podcast here.
3: I'm so glad you guys brought up Pieces of April. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan. Um you know, Pieces is uh <laughs> this is bonkers like Oh, my god. i and on, it was one of the first clips that we were uh, that we used in the documentary. I think it was we used it in a teaser before we even had the documentary close to edited. Um, yeah, we did, <laughs> we did when trail. we did that
1: twenty minute, we did a twenty minute like sizzle reel to promote the the making of the movie and we played it at uh, a convention here. And that was with the clip, the clip that
3: like hammered it home, yeah. I mean, they speak talk about trailer footage like really selling a movie. And I'm like, no, don't get me wrong. The movie's I I've, I loved it when I watched it, but the trailer with them saying uh, you don't need to go to Texas for a te- for a chase <laughs> on massacre and uh, pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. It are two of the two of the greatest trailer moments all in the same trailer? So it's like <laughs> so that's, it's it's incredible.
0: Like, it almost feels like the people who are promoting it um, are are, are completely uh, separated from the people who made it. You know, like the people who made it feel like they were genuinely trying to make a terrifying horror movie. And then the marketing team is just like, all right, yeah, this (laughs) starts out with a kid putting together a nudie puzzle. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. And who knows better? Which one of them is knows better? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> like, is it the, the marketing. Like, both have every right to present the movie the way that they did.
1: Well, and, and Pieces is interesting, too, because it's one of those movies that, like, the way it was made and produced is actually kind of, like, lends itself into the story. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. I'm, I'm going to nerd for a sec. So um, Pieces it. was originally... Put together by uh, Roberto Lololo, I think was the guy's name. He was an Italian producer. Mm-hmm. He wrote like a short script for it, and he and he worked with uh, Dick Randall, I believe. So they put a kind of started putting it together, and then it ended up with the director Juan Simon, Juan Piquierre Simon, <coughs> uh, excuse me, who he had worked on some stuff I think with Dick Randall prior to that. So the film takes place in the United States. Boston
3: to be specific. Boston, baby. Uh, <laughs> but if
1: you pay any attention at all, it is very obviously filmed somewhere in Europe. Spain to be specific. <laughs> <laughs> they did a little bit of like exterior shoots in Boston just to actually get it. But like if you go from like the hard edge, and Boston in like nineteen nineteen eighty was a very different place than it is now. So like you have like these gritty shots of like some exteriors in Boston and then like these nice like shots in Spain.
0: <laughs> so
1: um if I I, I I there's an awesome the grindhouse DVD that came out of it a number of years back is great. So um it was really like a bunch of actresses that they kind of threw together and like there's that tennis scene where like none of them actually know how to play tennis.
3: Uh, oh my god. Yeah. This is lobbing balls.
1: Oh, it's his story of my life, man, lobbing balls.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's actually how Bill and I met.
1: Yeah, and you know, like there's that just scene lobbing with balls the and balls and like um, they, I think they like they used actual slaughterhouse guts on the when they when they sliced the woman's stomach. Yeah, they actually I'm used in, I think I'm they got from a slaughterhouse. Our episode. Um, it's just it's a crazy crazy flick, man. Um, and there's a couple different versions of it out there too. the, the director's cut, which is the what? one, that is, is is out. I think now, which is. The one that Grindhouse originally put on the DVD and then released later on, because I know Arrow did a really good cleanup of it too. But like when it was released, it was originally I think Mil was it Milgratos tiene la noche was its original title, <laughs> and they changed it to Pieces. pieces. <laughs> the United States
4: right? are <laughs> like it's eh, perfect,
3: whatever.
0: Let's I just want to it's know crazy, what's
4: man. happening I at ab- the end. Absolutely love Pieces. <laughs> it's so good. It, yeah, like I'm, it really. I'm is. excited
3: to revisit it with some friends.
0: Oh God, it. It it is one of the most (laughs) amazing movies that I've ever seen because because it was one of those uh, surprises, you know, like, again, found it at a pawn shop and it was just like pieces exactly what you think it is. Yes, it is. Um, And had no idea what I was
4: getting into. And it is.
0: It's brilliant. I really,
4: really hope to see it in a theater like a packed theater full of people one day because that just seems like the perfect way to experience this film. No, let's make it happen.
1: Yeah. Well, they definitely, they tore it when Grindhouse releasing did that DVD. I know they tore a 35 millimeter print of it for a while, so you could probably maybe get in touch with William over at the uh, Central Cinnamon, see if you can get his hands
0: on it. great, Hell, yeah. William, make it happen. He, he, if he's listening at all, he turned it off a long time ago.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. William loves us, so maybe we'll hold
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's listening because of you two tonight. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I e Knoxville
0: what the hell was that
1: I'm, I'm,
3: you know what I said did, did you turn yeah, you into said a robot I e Knoxville but you said it in a really weird voice That's my voice now bill what oh okay
4: <laughs> oh, um, man. all right I'm gonna I'm wanna steer this steer this back on track here a little bit so <clears> going <throat> back kind of going back to you know talking about the horror community and you know just meeting people. Um, and talking that who love horror movies, because um, they made a movie they you yeah, you did make a movie. So That's how did you I'm curious to know, like how many people you actually reached out to to be on the movie versus how many agreed to an interview and like just how you made those connections with these people?
3: We probably only reached out to I would say maybe ten more people than how many were actually interviewed in the movie. We didn't we didn't. Get no's from too many people. There was a, uh,
1: but yeah, no, I th- maybe 15, 20 tops.
3: Oh yeah, I, mean, I guess we're including people who maybe just never responded. Like then, then yeah, um, I would say it was. It wasn't. It wasn't exponential. It was. It was actually pretty, pretty good ratio.
1: <laughs> yeah, once people kind of realized what the project was and what we were trying to do, getting people on board was actually was actually pretty easy. Um, I mean, there's definitely things we were we wish we had had more women that wanted to to take part in it. You know, but, you know, when you start talking to people that were actresses in the 70s, they're all older women now. So, like, they don't necessarily
3: want to get involved in in projects anymore. And 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 not to mention that the the present day women, the currently like the people, the women that we know who are working now, we're all busy (laughs) like which is which is an amazing problem i guess that's (laughs) Um, awesome you know it's like the other like yeah the ones from the 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 older generations like didn't really feel comfortable and then the ones in present day and the newer generations were all too busy to be able to do something so it's like okay (laughs) okay
4: That was actually a words? follow-up question that I had because I know in that Hollywood reporter review they even say something about like yeah, the demographic skews like toward white dudes so I was wondering if you all had that same kind of concern before the film was released.
3: Uh, I, I mean, mean just the, by nature of us being our harshest critics I think we do um, I mean I do I maybe I won't I won't speak for Bill but I mean that was that's a huge like, big old concern for me, but then it's also, I talk myself out of that pretty quickly because, A, I like the movie. <laughs> that yeah. Been, so it's like, though so, I mean, ultimately, it's like, it doesn't matter. But it's also, you know, it's like, you have to think of like the, you know, especially a lot of the time frame that we're talking about uh has to do with a lot of old white dudes. It's like, all those old white dudes were making black exploitation movies, so it's like, okay, mm-hmm. even, you know, like, even just starting from the get-go, you know, and it's like, all those, all those guys in the in the 80s we're making, you know, direct-to-video slasher movies. It's a lot of I mean it's a ultimately it's only been in the re- past couple decades. No matter what, you know, a lot of people say is like it's ho- Hollywood and filmmaking was cold like most majorly majorly controlled by old white dudes. It's it's not hard to dismiss that. Yeah. Um, I think
1: so too. To sorry to interrupt. You there, no, nope, but going to. Um,
3: <laughs> Please do it, or else I'll say major. Documentaries
1: are are, are are hot right now. There's lots of big get documentaries getting paid. And there's a lot of money getting thrown into documentaries. You know we. We 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 did everything ourselves. We had a couple of producers that helped out a little bit mostly and which went into the travel. But like, you know, just this year alone, if you look, there's that Monster Squad documentary, there was the horror nor documentary about the African American horror movement. There's all these big money documentaries that were getting made. And you know, when those documentaries are throwing money at those people and then you know we come along and we're like yay you know but you love the art you know maybe you hook us up <laughs> not everybody was, was super responsive to that yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that i'm not dissing on anyone but like you know it just kind of goes to show though you know like independent you know doing things yourself there are those things that you run and run up against that you yeah. know their bigger production aren't going to run up against totally it, and but we were lucky because we were able to get You know, amazing guys like, you know, like, like Ted Ramey and then like having Chris Gore and Lloyd Kaufman and then Adam Green coming in and doing it, too, Where like we had those those good names that are going to be like the backbone of everything. And then we were able to bring in people that had interesting stuff to say that you might not know who they are, but they're going to be the ones that fill it out. Like, you know, the guys like Eric Newell and like Chris Brickelmeyer and these people that were able to kind of fill out those things, because those are the people that are doing the reviews now. And those are the people that are helping keep those movies, you know, revisited for people. So yeah,
3: they're doing, they're doing the legwork of what we know and love so much. You know, they are, they are really kind of elevating those things and people like Jeff Nelson, like you don't, you're not going to see Jeff Nelson from screen factory and too many other documentaries, but like he, his business is keeping these movies present and alive, and you know, visible in the public's eye. Yeah, you
0: know. Well, and like and when it's I a really watched, beautiful thing. When I watched it, I didn't get the sense of just like ugh, just a bunch of old white dudes. And and right. I think part of it was like you've just been saying because of all the things that they were talking about. You know, like it wasn't it wasn't until Eric pointed out that the Hollywood Reporter had pointed that out that I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I guess there were. Um, but like all the stuff that was being talked about, like it for me at least, it was so engrossing that it didn't stand out as just a bunch of white dudes.
3: Yeah, right? well, I'm glad it feels that way, and I, I mean, it doesn't. Again, it, it it doesn't really feel that way until I start to put the you know the the magnifying glass on myself and on our movie as yeah. any uh, horrible you know. Uh, not horrible as any filmmaker would do. <laughs> uh, the thing you know, is uh,
1: we're not going to just add, you know, another female voice or another African American voice just for the sake of having that person in the movie. Like mm-hmm. if they don't have something to add, then right. there's no point in them being there. And we had a couple conversations with some people that I, I'm not going to name names that like, we were like, we, th- we don't need this. This would be great to have this person, but like, we, we don't need it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't you know and again that review is that that's not a bad review but like there were some things in there I'm like well the, I don't think this person was was thinking about this movie the way that we wanted them to think about.
3: No, no, definitely yeah. definitely not. I think that they, you know, I, I and I mean to each their own but it's also like I just don't it didn't seem to really get to the crux of what the doc was about, you know? I feel like they were like picking and choosing, but yeah. that's you know, that's what that's what they're there for is I mean that every Every reviewer, no matter how influential or how big of their you know publication is, is still the the views of one person. No matter how like educated they might be in the craft, it's like it's still the views of one person. So, you know, yeah. I'll take
0: it. Well, uh, for what it's worth, I think it's a great documentary, and well, not thank you, not just because of the content. You know, um, like there was. I can't even think right now. There have been a lot of documentaries that I've seen that I love the content. And so I'm fascinated because of just the story that's being told because I'm already interested in what's being told. But like from a documentary standpoint, it's just like, ah, eh, eh, I don't really care, right. you know? Right. And, and so I, um, I appreciate the fact that you do didn't put in too much that like didn't really fit with the overall narrative or like you weren't trying to drag it out into a two and a half hour documentary or mm-hmm. you know like it did feel like it felt like there was that beginning middle end of we're trying to tell this overarching story about you know the survival of the film freaks and mm-hmm. um yeah so f- for what it's worth well done from the and that's I mean that's what that's what we we set
1: out to do and when we screened the first cut of it, we were like, all right cool this 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 flows the way we wanted it to it finishes itself off the way we wanted to. but one of the things too like when we were kind of get eliciting some initial response before we had the final cut done, you know there was some you know some questioning about you know well you don't really give any answers and we're like, yeah, there aren't any answers yeah like this is not a this is not a documentary that is telling you exactly what the future is going to be, because we don't know what the future is going to be. So in that third, you know, in that third act, we bring up a number of instances of things and we purposely don't really, we don't put like a stamp of what we think is right or what, what, you know, we didn't want to close it down and be like, well, this is what we feel should happen with torrenting and file sharing, or this is what we Mm -hmm. should feel should happen with, you know, you know, trading of, you know, files. We, we wanted to make sure that we kept that, Open to interpretation because not everyone feels the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And plus, I mean,
3: just the the pacing of how technology changed, even while we were making the movie, it was so apparent that we weren't going to be able to make yeah. like it was in our outline. But it just became more apparent when we weren't going to be able to like make a definitive statement because it's like, how do you how do you just put the punctuation on the end of that and then have the rest of the world and the rest of cult film and the rest of the internet and technology continue to <laughs> just Blossom, you know. Yeah, and, and the, just like put a pin in that. That's yeah, what I really
4: what, liked about it too. Is that you like I didn't expect it to be so objective. I guess like I figured once it, people start talking about piracy, it was like no, piracy is bad. Like filmmakers need to be paid, which is kind of how I feel. Um, but you know, it was interesting to see these other perspectives, especially from somebody like Lloyd Kaufman, who is a film producer, and he's just like, yeah, I don't care. I, people are giving you their time. I love lloyd Kaufman so much
0: trauma movies are uh, a special thing which i mean we've already been talking for a while so you, you might not want to talk about trauma movies right now um i i have a special place in my heart because they are made you know you know, like i mentioned full moon earlier as just like they're trying too hard with trauma i love that attitude of you want to make someone's head explode out of cottage cheese? All right, sure, go do it. Like I, I just love that you want to make something, so go make something. I love that uh, that style, and so I, I personally really appreciate that you have Lloyd Kaufman saying, "Yeah, like if you want to turn it, great. Someone's watching it, you know. Like that's more important than money." Now, he, I assume, probably has enough money to not really care about that, as opposed to the people who actually are making some of the movies. But uh, yeah, like Eric, as he was saying, unlike some people, kind of gave me a side eye. I do not torrent. I do not file share. I am not advocating that. However, I've already mentioned a few times tonight that I go to pawn shops and thrift stores and, you know, like. I have literally thousands of movies that the people who made them are not getting a cent from it because I'm buying it secondhand. But again, like that's where I found pieces and happy birthday to me. And, um, Oh dear Lord, I can't even begin to go through two copies of the wraith. And (laughs) (laughs) like the people who made this are never going to see the money. And is that really any different, than, than sharing it with someone through the internet. And like I, I do think, yes, it is different because – Well, it's know, at a smaller scale. Right. That, um, and that's, that's one of the points
1: that we made too. We got, had a really interesting discussion with some of the older directors like William Sachs and um, mm-hmm. Braden Clark about that stuff because tape trading back in the 80s and early 90s is essentially the same thing as file sharing and torrenting just on a much smaller scale. So when guys were taking, you know, Laserdisc rips of Jodorowsky movies that were, you know, Japanese and, burn, and you know, taping them to VHSs here in the States and then disseminating those tapes for money, like, Jodorowsky isn't making any money off of that. So the difference lies in the fact that file sharing and torrenting is just such a huge thing. Yeah, and the, the more, ratio
3: is not one-to-one one anymore. The ratio is one to... 10,000. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And the thing, funny thing is that this documentary came from a conversation. The one of the original ideas, one of, that kind of was uh rock and shock is our local horror convention here. It's out in Worcester, Massachusetts. And uh, Adam green comes usually every few years. Um, Cause he's, he's, you know, a local guy and um, I've known him for a while. He was actually um, the first, one of the first interviews I ever did was Adam green. And we, him and I were having a conversation about frozen. And at the time frozen had just hit, the Torrent sites, and he was all pissed off because you know he's like, oh, he's like Torrent, you know the Torrent sites got a hold of Frozen, and it's um, it's at the point now where it's like every time he would we would he would say it, it would be more like, he's like oh, it's all two hundred and fifty thousand downloads this morning, and the Blu Ray isn't even out yet, so we kind of got into this conversation. I played Devil's Advocate of like, well, out of those two hundred and fifty thousand downloads, how many people would have actually bought the movie, you know, and then how many people now have seen the movie? They would never have known about it and now may buy your next movie or may go back and buy hatchet or like, you know, trying to play devil's advocate. And he and 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 Adam, God bless him. He's got a very staunch, you know, thought about how things should be. And, you know, God bless him, because that's, you know, you know, he's got those heavy convictions. Um, but that was kind of one of the catalysts for the documentary was that conversation that we had had. Um, so it's yeah, it's, you know. You find ways to to support the things you want to support. That's what what it comes down to. As like we know that once this Blu-ray comes out, it, it's gonna end up on torrent sites. We know that it's that's you know that's just how it's gonna be. But we hope that you know like if people enjoy the documentary and then know you look for what's coming next. That's the way you gotta do. It. If you know the people that make a movie or distribute a movie or like you know Screen Factor, whatever, if like they have the if they have a website where they sell T-shirts or you know buy a T-shirt, dude. Those there's ways to support people. But if you don't support people and you continue to just consume the stuff without actually giving back at any point, you're eventually gonna snuff out those smaller voices because you know we self finance. Like the chances of us being able to self finance the next thing are a lot murkier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The film has been successful. It's won a bunch, you know, won a bunch of awards and you know, we've got a great pre-order campaign going. But at the same time, like we're not going to come out of this with fat, you know, fat roll in our pocket. It's going to be the situation of like if we can maybe break even, we'll be happy. But mm-hmm. like then where does the next project come from?
3: Right. Right. Yeah. I think the other the the interesting thing about the time and age that we are in now is that like the best way to support and sell and be there is to like be with your movie i think that it's really important for bill and i and that's why we've done this so independently too this is so do it yourself and this is so um special to us that like we wanted to make sure that we were able to put out the product that we want to and that means that we also get to like travel with the product that we made and to be there and to talk about it and to like continue to support it because i think just having i mean the whole idea is what what sells people now is having that one-on-one interaction or that that um, thing that they can relate back to whether it's on social media or in person it's like to have that communication and to have that person like personal connection and I mean that's where this movie stemmed from was a personal connection and that's where cult film flourishes in personal connection so it's like for us to be with it and to talk about it be able to talk to you guys about it and anybody else who has it at their festival or convention is really important to us and that's why this pre-order is really going the way that it is too.
0: Yeah, and I mean Eric and I have talked about this on pretty much every single uh, episode that we talk about just the movie experience where, you know, like being in a theater and having that shared experience with, you know, hundreds of strangers all laughing at the things that you're laughing at or scared at the things that you're scared of or laughing at the things that you're scared of. You know, that's that's also fun. Um, You know, like as much as I love Netflix and Hulu and shutter and just all of these other streaming services. And I love having, you know, combined with all of them, probably, you know, millions of movies at my fingertips. There's just something so different about being in a theater and having that shared experience. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you can't afford to go to the theater and, and watch as many movies as you can through Netflix. But when you go there, it's just so magical and so captivating. Um, and, and yeah, like, I love the fact that you guys actually do travel with the movie so that you are able to form those connections, that you are able to have some of those experiences. And, like, I hate the fact that I didn't meet you at Knox Horror Fest. I, I saw the two of you on Sunday, but, like, at that point, I was so tired that <laughs> I was just like, hey, you guys... I don't feel like putting on like my uh, extroverted face. I'm just gonna stand over here and talk to Brian. Uh,
3: yeah, dude. Hey, that's you're you're hey you're not the only one because sometimes it does. It's not easy, dude. It's not easy to continue to like do that, especially for you guys who are trying to interview and podcast and do all this stuff. It's like I don't, I don't blame you. I'm bummed we didn't get to meet either, but I also don't blame you.
1: <laughs> and, and and Knoxville is actually a really good example of like. Making, you know, making the effort like William and the crew over there that put together that festival, put together an amazing festival. Mm -hmm. But like, there's not a lot of money in those situations. So like, you know, we came to Knoxville on our own dime. We drove twelve hours to get there, and you know, put ourselves up because we felt as though that film was going to play very well to that audience, and we needed to be there. Yeah. you you can't do that for a lot of things so we've had to pick and choose we, we've we tried to go to as many things as we can but like you know we had two screenings in la a couple of weeks ago we can't just you can't just fly off to la or like you know we've got something coming up in denver we've got like was it north carolina
3: like north carolina is at the end of the month and it's just like you know it, it would be awesome to go down there but it's it's just not realistic um you know i mean well it's just we we are well, it's not that it's not realistic we are just not in that position yet yeah mm-hmm. you know and uh, but we hope to be uh, and you know it's <laughs> it's amazing that um people still want to you know show the movie um and you know cuz i thought we were done with the festival run and then all of a sudden we have these other screenings popping up which is really well, the exciting. Indiegogo
1: started off really strong and i think it got new eyes on it that might not have realized yeah
3: uh-huh.
1: realize and not come across it before but like the thing is it's like yeah we can make the sacrifice to go to those screenings but then you know what we don't have the money to make a blu-ray then so it's yeah, like right it's like you gotta choose, pick and choose your battles i wish we could be at everything i would skype in on things if i could to, to say hi to people <laughs> yeah no
3: totally and you i think made
1: a really good point about i'm sorry kyle i totally no, cut that's you off right fine there. you're good well, you guys made a really good point about the, the 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 theater experience, and we've had a number of really amazing screenings for this. But then we've also had some that just completely shit the bed because it's the type of thing where it's like a lot of people don't want to go out anymore. Yeah. A lot of people just want to sit home and watch Netflix, sit home and watch new watch Hulu. Um, so getting people to come out to something that isn't like an event is is very difficult. We've had screenings that were just like you know we were showing and you know. Some people showed up and it was cool and the people that showed up like really enjoyed it. But like the idea that like, oh, well, yeah, it's like trying to get people to actually come out to the theater to something that isn't like a big event is very difficult. People will just rather stay home and watch it on whatever streaming service. And it's cool that you watch it on the streaming service and you don't tour it or whatever, but it's like you're not really giving a lot of money to your filmmakers if you're just watching stuff on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Mm, Yeah. it's the type of thing where it's like get out there and support those screenings because those are the, the things that can really actually help the filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: And <laughs> it's so weird because, uh, I have turned into an old man and the thought of leaving the house after seven 30, it's like, um, oh, 100% I'll bore you there, man. Absolutely. Do, do I have to, but then when it comes to film festivals, i am like a kid in a candy store like um the chat film fest is coming up in little under a month yeah and like the the last few years that i've been like i watch movies until i literally feel like my eyes are going to bleed
2: <laughs>
0: not an exaggeration <laughs> like I, I i get a little concerned like oh man am i th- like completely screwing over my eyesight but like once I'm there and in that environment, just I am so absorbed in, in in just cinema and being around other cinephiles and there's just something about it that can't be matched with just you know scrolling through and and, and putting on whatever is you know the recommended through uh, through whatever the streaming service is.
3: Mm-hmm. No, it's true. I mean, it, there's I mean that's where even just watching it. I don't know there's there is something so important about that and I don't know if it's being lost on anybody because I still think that there are companies and films that are like really focusing on a theater experience but it's not as it's not as popular as it once was and it's like really hard to to get people to to enjoy it so it's really special for us when we get to see our flick and other flicks um in a in a theater setting
0: yeah uh so you mentioned the Indiegogo campaign um where can people find all that information to give you money for your beautiful, beautiful Blu-ray? And so, it isn't isn't one of the options that like you're going to do a personalized commentary?
3: Sure is. Yeah. Sure is. Um, that's uh, that's uh, something that we're actually. Uh, Either really excited about or really dreading. I'm not sure. <laughs> I go back, we go back and forth. Totally uh, get that. So, yeah, our, our Indiegogo, uh, you can either go to Indiegogo and look up Survival of the Film Freaks, or I'll give you the shortened uh, URL right now. It's just iggme slash Survival of the Film Freaks. Um, but the Indiegogo search engine is probably just as easy. So, uh, either way, they're going to so- have to
0: type out Survival of the Film Freaks.
3: Yeah, that I mean, either way, you're going to have to do that. So, uh, but we, we do have it available now. We are at the time of this podcast recording, we are 68% funded um, with just a month left in the campaign. And um, so, if this is for both the physical and digital release. So, you don't have to necessarily pre order a Blu ray or DVD. Um, we do have other options available if you just want to donate so that we can get this movie out digitally as well. But we have the blu-ray and dvd um up for pre-order so what you'll be doing is you'll be donating to the campaign and promising your copy of survival of the film freaks
1: yeah and and unlike a lot of other indiegogos and kickstarter campaigns that people are doing for funding movies the movie's already made like it's all done so you're actually pre-ordering your blu-ray of the movie and then you're going to get it. So, I mean, I know myself, I've joined a number of Indiegogos and Kickstarters for films that just never, ever happen. Like your money disappears and like, Oh, well, you know, we ran out of money in post-production, so it just never happened, but you don't get your money back. So this is, this is the film is done. It is set to go. The discs are ready to, it's ready to all go to the disc makers and have it prepared and packaged and sent back so we can mail it out. Um, it's unlike a lot of those other ones. The film is done. We will get you your product. We promise. Yeah,
3: yeah. So it's like any. I mean, so every little bit goes towards it, which is which is really saying it's not like we're gonna have to do this much for color correction or this much for that. You know, it's it's all set and ready to go. So um, it's just a matter of manufacturing the discs and getting it out there to as many people as possible. So um, we are really close to our goal with a month left. Um, we just need to raise just just on, just over thirty percent of it. Um, so we have, um, obviously, the Blu-ray and the DVD just there. We have other um, perks, though. We have uh, a limited uh, poster and T-shirt designed by Pizza Party Printing. Um, so if you, like I said, if it was one of those things where you just don't want physical media, but you still want to support the movie and see it digitally somehow, th- those are some great things to, to di- get in for. We do have the digital download, like a discounted digital download of the soundtrack available, um, which is music made by uh, Bill and our, our buddy Jason Moss uh, with a couple selections from artists like uh, OK Doc and September 87 and Morgan Willis and Cold Collective, which is really special to us. So we're excited to have them on the soundtrack if and you get into that yeah.
1: OK Doc jump off. Dude. I, direct, I directed his last two music videos. so Yeah,
3: cool. yeah. So, OK Doc's real special to us, too, in a different way, because we've got some videos under there, too. Um, so, uh,
0: really quick, since you mentioned yeah. OK Doc, um, because, you know, I'm a silly nerd, I read that name as OK Dokey. You know, oh, like I it's, it's, it's Okie Dokey. Incorrect. <laughs> Wrong. No. <laughs> Fuck. Out. You're fired. <laughs> <Get> <laughs> it. You don't like <laughs> Okie Dokey better? No. <laughs> 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 no it's uh that
3: guy that is not okie dokie but, okay, <laughs> okay, but okay. That's fine. there's no e where'd you get the dokey part
0: where <clears> do you get the okie part there's no <laughs> yeah. or, or, like an what? okay like an okay dokie you know
3: oh oh uh, oh okay dokey. yeah I see. the okay. answer's still no
0: <laughs> you're um, still wrong
3: <laughs>
1: Not, not only <clears throat> okay, do yes. we
3: have the, the digital download of the soundtrack, but we also have an extremely limited uh, cassette soundtrack uh like cassette tape soundtrack nice um, the, the soundtrack which uh which i'm super excited about it'll come with a digital download so you don't have to like try to record it onto your, onto your computer <laughs> there's not um, that many of those left either i don't know that so we we created a physical freak perk like bundle so it'll come with your choice of the blu-ray or dvd and the cassette soundtrack so for all those physical media collectors like that is the package um and then, yeah, we have full packages which will include a poster, the the, the movie, uh, the download, and a and a T-shirt. Or you go you go bigger, you go home, and you can get the Film Freak commentary, which we which Bill and I will sit down and we'll record a commentary for a movie of your choosing.
1: Yes, there's um, only five of those
3: left at the time of recording. Yeah, only five of those left. And um, but you'll also get shebang. you'll get the whole shebang along with that commentary.
1: Yeah, we put up ten on the day we we put up the uh, campaign, and we sold through all of them in the first, like in the first forty-eight hours. We sold we sold the ten, and then we're like, well, should we add some more? And we had people actually asking for it, so we added ten additional ones. So there's going to only be twenty
0: of those, and we've sold fifteen of them. So there's only five more mm-hmm. left. You literally and
3: we aren't adding more. <laughs> no,
0: no.
3: <laughs> Is there uh, a
0: restriction to the movies that you would watch and comment on? No, we that we we completely wide open. The example that we used
1: was we would actually do a commentary for Titanic if somebody asked us to. <laughs> yeah.
4: Anything except but, a Serbian film, right?
1: I, I mean, if somebody <laughs> wants us to do it, I don't understand. I'm not going to talk about the movie while we're watching it. But <laughs> I'm really hoping, hoping and praying that somebody uh, wants us to review Coliseum Videos' Best of the Iron Sheik.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: America, Yeah. <Atui. laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, I am, I am mad at it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's. I mean, we've had we've had a really great response to it so far. Um, you know, we just we we have that last little we have that last little bit this month um, before, so that we can we can get um, what we planned to get together out to everybody. So that, like I said, that includes both the physical and the digital release. I mean, the digital release is not. That's not free. So we did include that in our budget for this campaign. Um, So we're just trying to get it out to as many eyes as possible. Um, And like I said, the support has been great. Uh, So if anybody is interested in... uh, And and of course, this this comes with special features. We have uh, extended interviews. We have a uh, Making the Music featurette on there. Uh, We have some promo clips um, and like I said before in this in this podcast, we have the little insert with the film freak checklist. Um, so you'll have a little little fun guide to go along with your documentary too.
1: And if the uh, just to clarify that you can't purchase a digital version of the movie through the Indiegogo, what mm-hmm. we we factored in what the cost for us to be able to get it out to all of the major platforms, being like iTunes and Amazon and those places the cost for us to do it ourselves as opposed to selling it off to a digital distributor to do it for us. Right. Um, it, we just, we, at this, we, we controlled everything ourselves to this point and we want to continue to do that. So we, we could have gotten a, di- a distributor to do it for us, but at this point we've done it all ourselves. Let's just follow through with it ourselves. Right. So there's an option on the page if you just want to make a donation and you're not interested in any of the perks, but you know, you're going to want to buy it down the road. That can still help also. Absolutely.
2: absolutely, nice. All right,
0: well yeah, it, I I absolutely love it. So uh, I totally encourage everyone who is listening, all both of you, to uh, you know
4: <laughs> go Talk to, to ourselves now. Yes, <laughs> you guys are hyping yourself up to go to the Indigo.
3: Show. <laughs> you guys have
1: already, and you guys have already seen the movie, so it's not even like it's like I don't know. <laughs>
0: That that actually is like exactly why I think that it is totally worth supporting is because I saw it and loved it, and I want to see more from you guys. So thank you. So yeah, go make more things.
3: Appreciate it. All
0: right, I think that we've all kind of hit our limit on words and or (laughs) just being awake. (laughs) We're diarrhea over here, you yeah.
4: Well, Bill and Kyle, thank you so much for being on the Gargoyle Podcast. Do you all have any social media's places that you would like to uh, to pimp out really quick so people can follow you?
3: Yeah, if you want to check out my MySpace page, uh, uh, I'm killing it on Friendster lately. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you can you can find you can find me uh, on Fortune. Uh, yeah, please yeah, make I'm a film freaks MySpace page, please. Um, yeah. You can you can find you can find me online. Just go to the, the film at Film Freaks movie is our Instagram and Twitter, um, and you can also find Survival of the Film Freaks on Facebook. Um, from there, you should be able to find Bill and I. But in case you can't, uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at kr Cookta. Uh, and then Bill
1: uh, at OTC Bill on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and then if you want to, if you if you I I do a podcast called Outside the Cinema where we review pretty much all of the movies that you see in a film, like survival of the film freaks, uh, the episodes, um, just look at on iTunes, just look up outside the cinema. That's, uh, where we are.
4: And Eric, where can people follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at the chimerican and on Instagram at chimerican reviews. And you can also follow me on letterboxd at Eric J A Y. And you can find me on Facebook and on
0: Instagram at The Gargoyle Podcast, on Twitter at Gargoyle Podcast, and on Letterboxd at The Gargoyle. Uh, and you can find uh, The Gargoyle Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, you know, all, all the platforms that have the podcasts. Just search for The Gargoyle Podcast. That's G A R G Y L E because it is a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. Ugh, I love it. <laughs> I don't believe that you do. Holy <laughs> shit! Ah, uh, um, yeah, guys, thank you so much. This has been an absolute blast. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to uh, to talk movies with us.
4: Yes, you're giving us your most valuable asset, your time, and yes. we hey. deeply appreciate it. My
1: most valuable asset is actually this Faberge egg. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And you ain't ain't getting that, bro. Sorry. Thank you for having us. It
0: was awesome. I
4: appreciate it. Appreciate it. Anytime.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. I'll be
3: back
1: tomorrow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Actually, we are recording an episode tomorrow. Um, Truth. uh, We're going back through the last few years of the Chat Film Fest. And tomorrow's episode is 2017, or 2018? 2017. Yeah. 2017. 2017. Uh, so we're, we're talking about some films from that to try to get people hyped for this year's Film Fest. So Ooh. yeah, right it, if you want to join us tomorrow, you uh, totally probably can.
1: Probably not, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm going to evolve wrestling tomorrow night, so.
0: This will oh, be tomorrow yeah. during the not night is that the one with Ricochet is going to be there in Street Profits? Uh, Ricochet is
1: doing a meet and greet and Velveteen Dream and Street
3: Profits are both wrestling. <laughs> Sick. A lot of meat
0: in that ring. Awesome. <laughs> Lots of meat. <laughs> All right, fellas. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. Time for bed. Yes, indeed. Thank you so, so much. Um,
4: yeah. Everyone yeah. go to sleep now. Take it easy, guys, and good luck on the Indiegogo those, campaign.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good All right. Night. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.